Welcome to the 306th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on October 16th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And I'm also 50% of this year's show. With me is the man who's praying for clear skies, Carlos Rodella. Wait, I'm praying for rainy skies. Oh, well, I guess clear skies in the sense of the smoke going away, but maybe rain would get us there faster. Yes. Huh? Yeah, because right now clear skies just means wind and smoke. That's true. That's a really good point. How about we're playing for we're, we're praying for smokeless skies? Yeah, man. smokeless and rain-filled skies. Um, yeah. Not to get into too much of the slow apocalypse is what I call it. But uh, yeah, the smoke is still here, here in Seattle, and it's going to be leaving supposedly tomorrow morning, and it's supposed to get cool, and we're finally going to hit October weather. So I'm hoping that happens. It really does change um, even our game playing, really, because think about being chill or not chill. Right now, in this current state that we're in, our environment, physical environment, all my windows closed, stuffy air, it's not as chill. You know, yeah, and yeah, it's harder sure. to like, I mean, I, I lose myself in games in this kind of scenario, but at the same time, I just wish the windows could be open. It could be rainy. Yeah. And just a little context. I know we kind of like beat this drum a lot lately and I know it's kind of like old hat, but like we've been inundated with um, like some of the worst air quality we've ever had in Washington state. I mean, yeah. yesterday, I don't know about your area, but in our area, it was labeled as dangerous. Yep. Um, we had such bad air. You went outside. There was so much smoke. You like you couldn't see anything like it was hazy. And uh, my my kid was like, oh, man, so like, where's all the smoke coming from? Where are all these forest fires that are happening? And I didn't know. So the wife and I went to the phone. Uh, there's like a little weather tracking app or whatever. And we looked it up and we're like, oh, it's the entire West Coast plus Idaho. Every single state is on fire right now. Yeah, it was so many fires. It looked like somebody had thrown red glitter on a map of America, like the red specks all over. Yeah. And also the one where I'm at, because I'm on the east side of Seattle, is pretty close you know what i mean like when it starts up which again hot weather and stuff like that and the winds um yeah it's just like immediately like almost in the hour we get a whole plume i guess a plume plume many plumes i mean i was looking at the map and i think the closest fire to me i know you're a little bit uh you're not next door to me you're a little bit ways but the closest fire to me was about 45 or 50 minutes drive away which is not really that far so kind of nerve-wracking and also can't fucking breathe well we'll try not to bring it up again because this might be the third or fourth time but to brad's point it is some of the worst air quality in the world yeah so it's pretty bad right now it's so. pretty horrific but we're hoping it's gonna go away and then nice cool weather and a bunch of games we shall see all right let's get into the show uh let's see starting things off as we normally do uh listeners you know that carlos and i share a virtual living space divided down the middle of this strip of duct tape that is right it's time for housekeeping. On my side, I have a couple of strangely money-related things. Not my norm, but I got a couple things. What do you got on your side this week, Carlos? Um, all like medium-sized boxes. The first one, I just I'm gonna mention real quick. It's like a little envelope, actually, because it happened just before the show started. I went to use my Xbox controller, my you know wireless one, and uh-huh. it's out of batteries. And I was like, Am I in the '90s? Why do I need batteries? Oh, that's right. It actually does use legit batteries. Legit right? batteries. Yeah. And yeah, I could go on Amazon and buy like little packs that are rechargeable or whatever. Then you have to buy the rechargeable thing for the wall. I don't want to do all that. And again, another reason why I like my PS5, it's like, yeah, I just, I'm always charging my, my uh, controllers. 
and anybody listening, I know there's rechargeable controllers as well, but that's an extra cost. And, you know, I kind of don't have tons of money right now, so I don't want to buy a whole new wireless controller. Anyways, I put them in and I was like, well, this will go quick. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. When you play like a huge epic game, it's like, well, those batteries are going to get killed. You know, I bought the official Xbox rechargeable kit, um, and it, it actually dropped in price. I think when I first bought it, I want to say it was like 70 bucks, which is ridiculous. Um, but I got it, I think as part of the deal when I got my Xbox, I believe. And then I needed another one or two, actually, for my wife and my kid. And by the time that I bought those, I want to say they dropped down to like 25. 25. So there was quite a reduction, 25 or 29, something okay. like that. And it comes with the, the the rechargeable pack, which looks exactly like the back of the of the controller, I think, if I remember correctly, you like you just pop off the thing and put it in there and it fits perfectly. And then it comes with like this mega long charging cable, which is like 10 feet, which is awesome. So I leave mine plugged in just like 24 seven because I don't sit more than 10 feet away from my Xbox, but you can, you know, plug it in and then just unplug it. And it works really great. I've used mine since, since launch and no problems. Send it over if you have a link and I will do that because yeah, I'm, just, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going back to buying bad. You know, you can actually even buy it from your Xbox interface. If you Whoa. go to the store and look it up, you can buy it. That's how I got it. I went into my Xbox, went over there. I said rechargeable, popped up, and you ordered it directly from Microsoft, and it deducted from my online Microsoft account like they used to buy online games and stuff. It just totally did it. And That's me, pretty cool. It was pretty slick, dude, yeah. Okay, I'll try that after the show. I'm glad I brought it up. There you go. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yes. So, money. Uh, a lot of co- money things going on this week. Um, I hate money. Money is evil. I wish we could get rid of it as a people in society. We haven't got rid of it yet, so let's talk about it. Uh, the voice of Bayonetta. I'm sure you must have seen this on Twitter over the last couple of days, right? Seen, Helena Taylor? Yeah, I've seen you on it. I watched a little bit of it. I, I think I'm still confused on the whole thing, though. So basically what I gather, Helena Taylor, who is the voice of Bayonetta, um, who looks absolutely nothing like Bayonetta, which always is kind of mind-blowing to me, because yes, I know how voice acting works, and I know you don't need to look like the person you're voicing, but, you know, you play a game, you hear that voice, you associate that with the character, and in your mind, it kind of just gets melded a little bit, and so to see her uh, not look like Bayonetta, which, I mean, there's no eight-foot like Amazon who is dressed in hair. I get I get that's not a real thing, Yeah, but it was really funny anyway. She, she shows up, and she was very upset because when they are, they're doing production of Bayonetta 3 right now, they offered her a paltry $4,000 flat fee to do all of the voice work for Bayonetta for the entire game. Um, oh, so, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, so I am not a professional voice actor, but I do deal in some entertainment stuff every now and again. And in my own professional work, we do things that are kind of in the ballpark. Again, not voice work, but you know, we're kind of on the fringes of it. And $4,000, uh, it just seemed like a very like insulting amount. And that was her take, right? She's like, this is insulting. I'm the main voice of Bayonetta. It's going to be a lot of work, a flat fee. Um, I believe she's a SAG after member, I believe. So I don't know how that affects like the actual union scale and stuff. But I mean, everybody who I, a lot of developers popped up and they're like, wow, I paid, you know, I think Dave Oshry um, from New Blood said he pays his voice actors more than $4,000 to make uh, taking a shit noises in his game. Oh, so I think everybody basically agrees. We don't know what the exact proper amount would have been, but $4,000 for a huge game like Bayonetta, I mean, got to be a, a tentpole game for Nintendo, clearly really insulting. And so she did not accept it. She's going to be boycotting the game. She's asking people to boycott the game. I want to say that they asked Jennifer Hale to step into her shoes, uh, voice of Commander Shepard. Uh, and I, I believe Jennifer Hale also turned it down, I think. So I'm not sure who they're going to get to do the voice or if they're going to reconcile 
with Helena Taylor, but $4,000 for a game, which is clearly a multi-million dollar game, will sell multi-millions. Um, it's going to be a huge title for Switch. Uh, pretty insulting that they would lowball her like that. Well, and on top of that, it should be for, I don't know how many voice actors have this deal, but like some sort of residual, you know, or some sort of I don't of believe like, they ever get residuals for right, video games. Right, which that's I think is hearing. crazy yeah. because like I agree. you're basically selling a product that's going to get resold a bunch of times. Get some sort of commission on that. Makes It makes total sense. Um, I, by the way, I've done a little bit of voice acting. And what's the game? I always say it wrong because it's a different language. I think it's Scandinavian. Rhyme Dressa. Rhyme Dressa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I know what you're talking about. I think about. I did it right because I think they trained me. Um, but I'm in that game. Um, I don't know if you know that. I don't know. I don't think you ever, you ever said that. Maybe I didn't. Uh, I'm an Easter egg in that game. And uh, I'll have to go find it now because I have Carlos it in my is library. the Easter egg. That's a pretty good yeah. Because it's like um, you know, you're in space and you have these like audio journals you find. Yes. And I'm one of the audio journals. I did not know yeah. that. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. Rhyme Rasa. I'll find the name of it and give it to you. Um, so, anyways, I've done a few of them, and yeah, like it's always a flat fee, uh, or it's like just you know you're doing it like that. I did that one for fun, but in general. You know, I've also do videos. I do video production. Yeah. And four thousand dollars or five thousand dollars is like maybe a video, you know, or like a few videos. Like like small, small projects. Small pieces Tiny of content. Project. Yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. But not like a full game. Yes. Um, with script. And by the way, voice acting is really hard. Like people yes. think like, oh, you're just talking to the mic. We're just talking to the mic right now because you know, whatever happens, happens. And I'm still waiting for these residuals to come in, man. I'm disappointed these checks <laughs> are not gonna get rolling them. in yet. Um, but you know what I mean? Like in voice acting, which again, I've done, you've got to nail that line. So you're doing a bunch of takes on just one sentence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyways, I, that's yeah, crazy. I mean, I, totally dude. Totally. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And we do my, my wife's work and I, I do some contract and freelance stuff also. And like, yeah, dude, $4,000 is like when you're talking about this kind of stuff is pretty fucking small potatoes. So they need to up it. And I don't know if they can even reconcile with her now. I mean, she seemed pretty upset and, uh, there seems to be kind of some bad blood going on, but uh, very disappointing to see that Bayonetta may not sound like Bayonetta next time. All right. Well, we support her here at the podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, I only got one more. What, what do you got left? Um, oh, this is kind of a fun one. So I was thinking about this before um, Andy reached out to me, but Andy Robertson of Family Gaming Database. Yes. TamingGaming.com. Yes. Um, he was talking to me because I was kind of mentioning, I, I think I often mention about playing games to escape and my depression, et cetera. Um, and so he's like, he just did a bunch of interviews called Game Pathways, and he's invited me to be on one of them. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. To talk about the reasons why I play game and how, how you know, um, it helps with mental health, et cetera. So... Yeah, so I'm going to do one of those for his uh, site, which I'm excited about. And then he also showed me the Game Finder that they have. Have you oh, ever used it? Oh, it's amazing. I have used it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah it's super great because, like, you know, I've been using Backlogged kind of just to find a bunch of games that way. But it was great. I actually found this uh, weird kind of open RPG called Thousand Leaves through it. Never heard of it. Yeah, neither have I. But I found it on their site. So go check out at uh, TamingGaming.com. They have yes. a Game Finder. Uh, very, very cool. So excited about that site uh, to relearn about it, I guess, through the podcast, as well as uh, I'll let you know when the Game Pathways interview is up. Yeah, let's get that up. We'll do it on the socials. We'll get a link in there. Andy is great. He's a really great guy. Um, he's doing God's work over there. I love his website. Uh, he's fighting the good fight to make games safe for kids. And he's got 
just a wonderful, uh, wonderful array of information. If you're a parent or if you're somebody who's concerned about the content in games or you're just curious about the whole thing, uh, cannot recommend it enough. And he's not paying me to say that. So Andy Robertson, we love you. And uh, yes, go over and check it out. Taminggaming.com. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Uh, two more little things. One is uh, the chant. It looks really exciting to me now. Oh, I was just reading about that. Yes, I was. I saw something. That means we both the, the PR is doing a good job or marketing is doing a good job. <laughs> yes. Both of us at the same time. But it's not till November, I think, 3rd. And, and they just missed the Halloween just window. Just missed the Halloween yeah. window kills me. Like I'll still be in the creepy mood, I guess. But man, it gets real close to people going like it's Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. Um, but I mean, fuck people with their you know marketing of holidays. But uh, I just I do miss that I can't play it like on Halloween or something because man, this looks good. Yeah, I it's was just reading about it. Yeah, third yeah, yeah. person uh, like adventure game. But with a, I don't think it's combat, but like a little bit of just like decision making and and creepiness and and a cult. Yeah, some kind of like uh, you know elder god sort of a thing, or some kind of weird like space alien horror yeah. stuff going on. And third person, you know, I'm 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 basically out of any first person because I just I'm drawing that line myself arbitrarily. But third person, yeah. still considering. I just saw the video; it looks pretty cool. So yeah, unfortunate. That they're not going to hit the Halloween window, but you know, whatever. You, you know, Halloween is anytime. Halloween is in your heart, I guess. So you Halloween can play those games is in your heart is anytime. the name of the podcast, by the way. <laughs> you just did it. All right. Which means we have to come up with a couple other Halloween stories before we're done. Oh man. Oh, we do because my before you go is about scary movies. Okay. Yep. Yep. We'll bring so there it up you go. Point. So it's yep. Halloween is in your heart. That's a damn good title. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's see. And my last thing, I just want to really quickly mention: there's a game on YouTube that. The YouTube video, if you search for it, is just called This is a Game? Question mark. It looks like real life, exclamation point. Um, you haven't seen it, I'm guessing. I don't. Is this the one where people walk around like they're in Skyrim and they do all sorts of weird motions? Nope. Okay. It's I haven't just seen it then. A first person shooter that whatever they're doing with the graphics and the lens flare and like it almost looks like a VHS kind of filter and some light lighting filters, it looks 100% like real life. It's like crazy how good it is. Oh, looks. so it's actually really Oh, so it is a legit game then. Like, yes, it's well okay. he's working on it. So the gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm going to find the developer here in a minute cuz they're obviously it's just like a demo. Um and he, it's called the Drakelings. Oh wait, the Drakelings community is where his website's on and it's Blue Drake 42's blog. So if you look up that Okay. That's the person working on it. I think it's um Alexander Spindler? But this is a video you're seeing on YouTube, right? Like the a video clip? on YouTube, you can look right now. This is a game. It looks like real life is what it's called. Okay. And yeah, like they're, it's like photorealistic scenes. Uh, definitely the beginning more than the end. Um, sure, sure. But anyways, you're looking through windows. You're seeing lens flares. It's just crazy when we start hitting that uncanny valley again. And this is just an indie game too. So it's like, wow. I, you know, I really... <sighs> I, I go back and forth on this, and I know that a lot of people are really kind of chasing that particular dragon. And that's, you know, it's fine as, like, an exercise. But, like, honestly, when I think about the games that I really like the most, I don't think that, like, mm. realistic graphics or, like, photorealistic is ever something for me uh, that ranks high among my favorite experiences. It's not really even something that I even look for. Like, when I think of my favorite games, they're usually, like artistic um stylized in some way or they're kind of abstract in another way or they're very gamified in some way mm -hmm. i don't think that i ever really um look for photorealism i mean i'm sure that like porn games is really chasing photorealism for sure i mean that seems like a pretty good application of it but in general i don't i don't know that i'm like 
waiting for photorealistic anything, you know? Right. Well, let me say three things to that. One, porn games aren't pushing the envelope because I know. I looked. <laughs> They're not. It's really, really They may they, want to, though. Maybe that's their goal. I don't know. You would think, though. You know, it's funny. And this is a, a quick tangent. Porn usually does push technology, you know, even with it like, does, the yes. old days, the VHS yeah. and beta and stuff. But no, they're not now. I mean, they're attached to things like VR. Again, I've checked it out. Um, they're <laughs> attached to out. video games. Check it out. Um, another good title. Porn, porn VR. Check it out. Yes. Um, but no, even that. This is definitely a tangent. They don't feel like they're forward pushing the envelope. Like definitely in the games, I, I actually complained about that when we wanted to do a not safe for work episode. That's true. Yes, it's yes. like corny. It's like corny as shit. It's not realistic. So this video is not like that at all because it actually is realistic. The other two points I want to say to what you said is one, it's, this is just like a shocking thing, right? So you can look at something and still just be shocked by it, right? Oh sure, That's, yeah. You're yeah. like, whoa, Impre- it can be impressive. Sure. Yeah, it's like impressive, right? And the second thing I'll say is I'm with you on that, not like chasing that photorealistic, but if there's an RPG or if there's an open world, which you know I love, the modern open world kind of games, sure, sure, sure. and they look like this, then I would like it because there is that element of like why I like Skyrim was because I felt like I was in that world a bit. Yeah. Even yeah. though it had cartoon edges, you know? Um, it was, a lot of it was comes down to the AI and the fact that there's physics and stuff. But like the more you can do that for a specific type of game, which I like, which is open world being in a place and pretending it's real, that's when I do find it fun. But that's very specific, I guess. Well, let's check it out, see what they do and see where it goes. I mean, there's also the question of development costs and time and, you know, mm. people hours that have to go towards making the game and stuff. So that's, a, you know, I think maybe if there's some kind of development tools or AI tools that can help people get there, maybe that would be something that we can see leverage. But yeah, yeah interesting. I'll, I'll take a look at that and see uh, see how real that looks. Oh, and for the follow up here, it's it's uh, his Twitter is E-S-A-N-K-L-Y, E-S-A-N-K-L-Y, and uh, his video has nine million views on Twitter right now. Nice. So, nice. Um, yeah, he's calling it a body cam style game, and it's just really awesome looking. So check it out. Check it out. All right. Uh, let me do my right, one last thing. You got anything here? No, nope, that's it. Uh, okay. So last thing, getting back to money for a second. Um, you know, we talk about uh, Microsoft Game Pass, best place to play games. So we also are talking about the idea of people for paying for exclusives and stuff like that. And now that Sony's got a competing service, what do they even call it? What do they call the competing service on PSN? Uh, PS Plus, but with something else, I don't know. I'm on yeah, it every day, and I still don't know. It's funny because uh, I went on uh, PlayStation, my PlayStation Five, the other day, and I was looking at the store, and it was like, "Oh, subscribe to PlayStation Plus." I'm like, "Bitch, aren't I already subscribed to PlayStation Plus?" Right. And I looked, and I'm like, "I am, but I'm also not." And it's like they want me to upgrade, and I was really confused because I'm like, "Wait a minute, what do I have then? I don't even know what I even have." And I have like the bare bones, but I guess they're not calling it that because they were trying to tell me to upgrade to. So I guess I don't even know. I guess I just have like, I don't know, crappy PSN Plus or whatever. It's not even I know. PS Plus. It's confusing their tier system. I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't even understand where I'm at right now, but it doesn't matter regardless. But the question of money and how profitable is it? How much sense does it make for a game developer to sell their game or not to sell exactly, but to lease, I guess, their game to either Game Pass or whatever it is on PSN as, as you know, as, as a monthly offering, right? Because we think of, you know, we, I mean, we kind of like offhandedly say that Game Pass stuff is free. It's not free. I mean, we're paying whatever, $10 or $15 a month or whatever it is. 
Um, so that's what we see, but we think of all these like 100 games that we get, 150 games is free. But those developers, I mean, they need to get paid, they need to feed themselves, they need to feed their families, and so they need to get cash out of this. And a lot of question has been, how much are they making? Like, what what kind of business sense does it make for them to have a game locked up in Game Pass or locked up on the PS, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Ethan Gatch on Twitter, good guy, uh, really love his articles. He's a great writer. I've been following him for a long time. Uh, Ethan found a tidbit of information. Uh, so it said Sony paid $3.5 million to make Ark Survival Evolved a March PS Plus game, which I'm guessing means they give it away if it's on PS Plus, on that tier of PS Plus, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it said also that Microsoft paid $2.5 million uh, to keep that same game on Game Pass for the first six months of this year. And then two point three, an additional $2.3 million to bring Ark 2 to the service when it launches. This is information he found out uh, via the SEC. They had to file SEC uh, information with the government to make sure this deal could go through. So that's how he's getting this information. This is legit info. So that kind of gives us a basic idea. Now, personally, I've played Ark Survival Evolved. I fucking hate it. I think it's garbage. Uh, my kid likes it a lot, and apparently enough people play it that it's it's something that Microsoft and Sony want to keep hold of. Cool, more power to you. But those numbers, um, I mean, $2.5 million, I wonder how that stacks up if they were trying to sell or like what, I mean, it must be a good enough deal, right? So between these two services, they're making like what? Two, four, uh, I can't do the math, seven, eight, eight or nine million dollars, you know, give or take plus taxes, et cetera, et cetera, to get their game on both services. So I guess, I mean, that doesn't sound like, uh, that doesn't sound like nothing. It just seems like it's bad math. I don't understand this whole my thing. Ma- my math is definitely bad. What do you mean? No, by bad I mean, math? like, it's like, it's like a bad bet, like to spend millions for exclusivity to hope that the you know the click through is that people are going to you know either a subscribe based on that exclusive you have or stay with their service um because people generally stay with their service because they just do like they fucking forget to uncancel it whatever very easy to forget yes so that does it you can't because i do i've recently done a lot of spreadsheets and kpis and bullshit you know return on investment yeah yeah, and like that's just like it doesn't it seems like a really like slippery slope or What's the metaphor for it? Like, it's just not tangible. I don't see that one to one. You know, like we I mean, do, we pay point. for this and we get this return. That's a question, right? So I mean, it's kind of a multi pronged question. Of so let's so let's say that uh, you know let's take Microsoft then. Um, so they're paying two point five million uh, to get this game, which I would never touch uh, again. Ever, I know I would never touch either for for six months, right? So then. How much are they paying other games? I'm sure it's not one size fits all, right? So maybe this is a bigger. I mean, I wonder if this is more or if this is less than other games are getting. Um, so multiply that by the, I don't know, 150 games that are on Game Pass. I mean, that's a lot of money right there. And then you have to take that into account into how many subscribers on Game Pass they have. I don't know what that number is, but everybody's paying 10 or 15 bucks a month times millions of subscribers. How does that balance out with the millions you're paying out to keep this stuff on? And then how do you, you know, is it is it a loss leader? Are you making a profit? Is this kind of like a prestige thing for Microsoft to like show Sony that they suck? I mean, like what? I don't know what the value proposition is from any side of this. Well, but it is interesting to, to at least get a small peek behind the curtain, because up until now, I don't know about you, but up until now, I don't I don't think I've heard anybody say how much they've been getting. And in fact, I've asked a few developers uh, off the record and they never want to tell me they're like, oh, you know, it's worth our time to do it, and that's all I'll get out of them, but I've never gotten numbers from anybody. This is the first hard numbers I've seen. Yeah, I, I have been privy to some numbers that I've never been able to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but even without saying what those numbers are, you know, we're thinking like 
in in that range of like hundreds of thousands of dollars to up fours to millions, you know? Yeah, yeah. That is something that happens for exclusivity. But at the same time, I still don't see the the return because even all the stuff you just mentioned, like, you know, having it above or instead of Sony having it, like that's not a tangible thing. You know, like I don't I don't see how that brand awareness, recognition, whatever you want to say, champion the brand can really translate into sales the way that they think it does. I mean, um, if they can keep people from stopping subscribing to Game Pass, I mean, I think maybe that's a good goal for them because, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people who are on Game Pass and a lot of folks who don't have money. I mean, I think kind of money's tied all over the place who want to pay that 15 bucks. But if they can only afford one service between Game Pass and PSN, whatever, then, you know, hopefully maybe it's in Microsoft's interest to keep it appealing enough to make people from from stopping leaving you know yeah but that's based on the game catalog so yeah, exactly yeah. any gamer or any person would be like hey what do they what does xbox have okay what does playstation have and right now i'm even the one who says like game pass still has more interesting and indie titles than the playstation service does right the playstation service just has like a bunch of games for me that i already have you know yeah um and so it doesn't work for me specifically but Again, I just think that that's not like, and even when you say loss leader, that doesn't even work because it's like they have to still, the person, consumer has to still want all the games on your service. And yeah. if you have exclusive, it's like, it's not going to fucking change anybody's mind. So I think yeah. it's a waste of money and they should give it to us. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go along with that. If they want to cut us a check, uh, I will be happy to become a brand shill for anybody. I mean, depending on if there's enough zeros there, I'll, I'll sell out. Absolutely, I'll sell out. Uh, but no, those checks are not arriving, and neither are the residuals. So just interesting to see that number mm. for a game, which I I mean, nothing against the people at Arc. I'm sure they're wonderful people, but I think the game is hot garbage. Yeah. And it's interesting that they would pay that much money to keep it on both services, and they're clearly making a profit. I mean, I guess they're making a profit. Again, I don't know if they are. Like, it's so crazy. There's positioning. That's what it's called. Well, even the ARC people, right? Like, the ARC people, if they're making approximately $8 million or whatever, are they making a profit? I don't know how much money they sunk into it so far, how much it's cost to keep ARC running. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, Microsoft's not giving money from, you know what I mean? Like, they're... No, no, no. I'm just wondering, like, with, with ARC's deal to sign up with Sony and Microsoft, ultimately... They're they're bringing in eight million dollars this year just off these deals, not sales or anything. So I don't know what the running cost of Arc is like to keep their employees, keep their lights on, their doors open. So who knows? I don't know. I think it's a bad deal and it's weird. It's fun and interesting to to get insight, like you said. So it's good to bring it up. But at the same time, I don't see the purpose of it. Anyway. All right, that's enough wild speculation on our parts. Let's get into <laughs> nice. the main content of the game. Uh, lots of good stuff to talk about, and I feel like we're going to end, um, at least, uh, I feel like we're going to end pretty strong, so we'll see. Uh, Carlos, let's start off with you this week. Darkest Tales. Uh, this is one that I played, and in fact, we both played on the last Microsoft Xbox demo festival or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. a while ago. I remember playing the demo of this one, uh, and this is where you play some kind of a teddy bear, 2D platformer kind of a thing. It didn't grab me. Uh, but it seemed like you were having a pretty good time with it this week, so I'm very curious to get your further thoughts on Darkest Tales. Yeah, we had played it. I've forgotten about it because remember we played like a hundred games in that we, yeah, demo. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so I remember running around and like doing something, and you know, again, it's like if you're not in the mood for a platformer, you just don't want to play it. So right, I think right. that's why I stopped it. But this time I was, you know, just kind of coming through it for fresh eyes, and it's just really smart. Like there's a con at the end, so there's a con coming. Okay. But um, why I was so blown away in the beginning, because, yeah, you play as a little teddy bear that is pretty much 
Ted from the movie Ted. Oh, the uh, what's the, what's that guy's name? The guy that runs that. that Mark movie. Wahlberg, but uh, oh, Seth MacFarlane. Seth, Seth MacFarlane, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like a grumpy bear, you know, who's like not having it with life, and then um, you know, there's a little girl that he, you know, uh, she owns him or whatever. He's in he's in the little cupboard and stuff, and there's a fairy, a little magical fairy, and she wakes you up and says you have to go save your, you know, friend. I guess who's a if the little girl owns you as a teddy bear, what is what is she to you? I mean, just owner, I guess. So your owner, yeah. So yeah, your owner, yeah. So your owner, the late the the girl is like trapped in like dream paralysis. Nope, paralysis. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. The wrong emphasis, emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> um, we got there though. We got there. So and yeah, she's being attacked by like demons in her sleep. That's rough. Yeah, Night that's a rough intro. Yeah. So anyways, you have to wake up and the you know, fairy wakes you up and you like, you know, are grumpy. And you have to go to, to different fantasy worlds in her head to like save her, right? But it's just an excuse to be a platformer as a teddy bear that battles weird uh, fairy tales. But the best part about it, which you remember probably, and maybe I got a little bit further than you, is that each little uh, fairy tale is twisted. So you see Red Riding Hood in the distance as yes. a little bear, and the Red Riding Hood's not scared. She's like destroying a monster, and like I don't think eating it, but it looked like it. Um, and she's just a badass, and you're like, oh shit! And she's like, yeah, the wolves are out. Be, be careful! And then she leaves. But spoiler, she turns out to be a boss, and you have, yeah, to, you have I, to like yeah. fight her. I remember that from the demo. Like I remember she was like you said, she was a really badass bounty hunter, but then she turns evil or something at the end. And- you end up fighting her or something. I think you also fight a wolf, don't you? Don't you fight both of those? There's a lot of wolves. Yeah, yeah, And there's yeah, like yeah, a okay. big, yeah, there's a lot of like mini bosses too. But anyways, the gameplay was just fun. Like, I don't know how, like you said, you got to the boss then, but you definitely can upgrade your bear and different weapons and different like abilities. And I wasn't expecting that. You know, all of this again is expectation. So I like the twisted feel of the fairy tales. I like the gameplay. It felt fun. And I was like enjoying attacking and stuff. Here's a key thing that I like okay. that, man, more video games need to do. Not like a Souls like bullshit, which we'll get to later. Um, when you kill monsters in a level in this game, they're dead. Oh, they stay dead. Yeah, yeah when you yeah, come yeah. back to life from a little checkpoint, they're fucking dead still. <clears throat> Developers, do that. All right? Yes. yes. It's going to make more people want to finish your fucking game. Do we're that. Gonna, yes, 100%. We're going to totally talk about this at the end we of the will, show. We will. I'm, I'm with you. Isn't it interesting how this is coming up? Because I've forgotten that that was a key moment where I liked the game. I was like, oh, I don't feel like all that's been wasted, you know? Because yeah. you go, and it has that Metroidvania style where you kind of come back to areas because you now have a slingshot or whatever. Or it's a grappling hook. Did you get that? Uh, I don't think I got that far. I think I got to Red Riding Hood and I kind of just stopped playing at the demo at that time. Okay. Well, in the uh, grappling hook now, like they keep introducing new elements, which again, I was like blown away by. I was like, oh my goodness, I love this. And then you can go back to areas you couldn't get to and you'll get special moves and stuff. And again, I went down pretty far down in a Metroidvania style, but those monsters I kill were dead, you know? And I was like, oh. Such a novelty these days. It's just so great though. It made sense to me, you know, especially in the story. I was like, yeah, that little teddy bear killed all those monsters. Now I go back down there. I don't have to worry about all of them. Yeah, Anyways, I fucking yeah. love that part of it. So I'm in love with this game all of a sudden, right? And then it does one bad thing. What is the bad thing? So in a, I think it's a second or third level. There's like a plant level, and you're, you, that's where the grappling hook's introduced, and you go do a mm-hmm. lot of like, you know, if you don't make the jump, 
you don't die right away, but you're pretty much going to die right away kind of thing because you hit some flames or some bullshit, some okay. infected plants. So it just gets way too, you got to do this, you got to do this, watch out for the timing of the lightning bolts. Um, and I just felt like it wasn't, like the first level is like left to right. Maybe you're going down and up a little bit, you know, in these dungeons. But this one was all about like platformy, platformy, where you got to get the timing right, you got to swing right. And I just kept dying. And even though the checkpoint was pretty close by, it just bothered me. I was like, this isn't the game that you were just showing me. You know what I mean? And yeah. I literally rage quit. And I I was like, how is this possible? I was really loving this game. So you feel like the platforming itself, like well, now that they've introduced a grappling hook, that's kind of pushing like the the skill ask of you to be outside of like the fun zone, right? Yeah. And then they make the, again, that, that plant level has a ton of like what they didn't have in the first level, which is if you hit this thing or even touch it, uh, and, and we're going to make you like accidentally touch it a lot, then you're going to like totally get killed pretty quick. So yeah, it's just crappy because I like the, the combat element of it and I like the fantasy and I just want to keep hearing these fantasy stories. So I'll probably push through, but I'm giving the feedback for either a, anybody who's listening and b the developers, because I just don't think you need that level. Like I bet you there's going to be the next level is going to be totally different and it's going to be more about the attacking and stuff like that. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, it seems like maybe they were going for some variety. Maybe they misjudged like what kind of skill or how fun that was. And then they, you know, by that time they've already got level and they don't want to build a whole new level. So yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. Like that's the, my, that's my, my takeaways. Like I was having the fun, the first part of the game into red riding hood. And then that was like, Oh, I don't like this. So I'm going to push through cause I think there's enough novel ideas there. And I think that, it's just surprising because I think when you have something that looks like that and you're a teddy bear and then you have like grotesque monsters and Red Riding Hood's like, you know, carving up a, a wolf who's dead. Uh, and then there's like a like gingerbread man and like, you know, weird takes on things. I like that. Like, that's fun to me. Yeah, that dark juxtaposition or the kind of twist on on fairy tales. I know I didn't know that, you know, people always say, well, you know, the original grim fairy tales are really dark and the original fairy tales in general are really dark. I totally get that. And that's, that's a known fact, but you know, we don't, we don't play that up very often, at least in American culture. And so we're very used to seeing the, the softer, the brighter, the, the nicer. But then when you do get that twist back to the dark side, it can be some pretty interesting stuff. So, yeah. And we've covered uh, probably every game about fairy tales, even one called the fairy tales, I believe. Uh, possible, um, very possible. But they, none of them, I think, let it like le- leaned into this as much, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's some of the art is like really cool. Past where you saw like some background stuff is just like awesome to look at. So there's so much good to be had here. Um, I think if it's on sale or if it's part of Game Pass or something, check it out. But I am frustrated with that plant level. Well, hopefully it's just that one level and then or maybe they could even patch it or maybe just maybe you get past that part. And, uh, you know, I hate to say swallow the medicine to get to good stuff later, but maybe it gets better. So I don't just fill us in and see how it goes. I don't think I'm going to be playing this one because I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of uh, occupied elsewhere. But I do I do like the imagery. Yeah. And I will uh, try to finish it. All right. There we go. That is Darkest Tales. And you're playing on what? PS5? I played that on Xbox. Oh, caught me by surprise there. All right, cool. Uh, let me go on to Curious Expedition 2. Now, we have talked about this game in the past. I don't know when it was. I mean, I feel like it was probably at least six months ago, maybe even more than that. Uh, this is a 2D hand-drawn 
roguelike where you play explorers going from I don't, know, I, mean, I don't know if it's England, like a fictionalized kind of English sort of a town or something. And you go out to unexplored parts of the world. Um, I had some issues with the first Curious Expedition because I felt like it was pretty heavily leaning on the colonialism vibe, which is maybe not so cool these days. Uh, they definitely pulled back from that in uh, episode two, which I appreciate. And they've gone like more fantasy. There's like lizard people and dragons and giant spiders and stuff. So it's not like white people pillaging like uh you know india or yeah. or peru or something anymore it's, it's it's kind of fictionalized which i think was a smart move and i applaud them for doing that i think that was great because i think the core gameplay they have um is pretty good i i was kind of going back and listen to what i said about it on the podcast last time uh but we don't do homework here and i don't remember at all what i said but i remember <laughs> i remember liking it more than the first one and now the reason i bring it up today is because there is a new dlc that just came out uh, I believe it's, I want to say there was some kind of merger or something where the people who put out the SteamWorld games are now becoming kind of a bigger publisher in the indie space. They became Thunderful. And this game is now being put out by Thunderful. So there's kind of a crossover and the DLC is taking SteamWorld characters from SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld Heist, and putting them in Curious Expedition 2 as extra characters you can get. So that was my impetus for checking this out. Um, did you ever play Curious Expedition or, I mean, you played SteamWorld, haven't you? I played SteamWorld, but I didn't play Curious Expedition. I remember you talking about it. It's a roguelike, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I didn't know about the progression. I forgot what that's like. Uh, but no, I haven't. And also, there's like a robot DLC as well. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm playing right now. Oh, Steam that's World the one DLC. you're playing. Okay, cool. It's literally that. So in Curious Expedition, for those who don't remember, um, and it's been a while, basically you play these explorers heading out. You have a list of, of quests to go on. Like It's like, find a golden pyramid. Uh, map the unexplored land, search for dinosaur bones or something. I mean, there's a whole bunch. I don't know exactly that those are all them, but you have a list of, of quests to go out. You buy provisions for your ship. You hire people uh, to go on you as crew. And there's a whole like whole bunch of people. There's like interpreters. There's soldiers. You can get a dog to go with you. And the dogs are great. I love the dogs. Um, all sorts of different people can go with you, like fighters, street urchins and stuff like that. So you can have a whole different uh, bunch of people to go. You go out to these lands, and it's a balance between exploring the land, which is all covered in fog of war. Uh, the further you go in, the more sanity it costs you, because I guess you're nervous about being in this unexplored place. You can rest to regain sanity, eat things to regain sanity, but it's kind of like watching your resources as you explore. And then as you go, um, you you know, you know find like these little events like, oh, here's a hidden temple, or here's a mysterious waterfall that's got a cave behind it, or here's a, you know, a wreckage of a ship or something. And when you go there... You have choices. You can choose to explore, yes or no. You can choose which person to send in to explore. Each person has their different stats. And then when you get to combat, you'll find giant spiders. You'll find uh, wolves, uh, angry uh, angry people or whatever. You fight them, and it's dice-based combat based on the character types. I'm not going to get too far in the weeds, but I think it all works really well. And I feel like in general, this is a great idea. I, I love how this... I, I love what this game is, honestly. Um, the very roguelike section of it is if you, you have choices... It can be restart the adventure if you lose, restart like the year if you lose, so you just like lose time, or you can like like completely die and start from scratch. So you've got three different levels of roguelike severity if you want, which I appreciate. Hmm. Uh, there's a number of other options as well to like really dial back on the harshness of it. So it is technically a roguelike, but you can make it very forgiving if you want, which is great. I love options, um, but I just love how the mechanics come together. I think the graphics are really cute and beautiful and nice. Uh, and I think that just playing it, going on a quick trip, 
you can get a level done in 5, 10, 15 minutes. Um, quick bite size and come back. There's an overall story, and that's all great. Speaking specifically of the DLC, um, the main character is Piper Faraday, and she is, the, I believe, the main character from SteamWorld Heist, which was a great game, one of my favorites in the SteamWorld. Um, you can hire her as your main character. And at first I thought it was going to be just a palette swap, like, oh, okay, well, they just added a skin. But actually, no, there's a new mechanic where if you choose the robots to go off as your as your your party, she has a little machine that, like, creates batteries from compostable materials, which I did not expect. And mm. so um, you can, like, collect chocolate bars, you know, hyena skin, like raw meat or whatever, throw it in your compost machine, and it makes batteries for you to power up during combat. So it's cool. I got to be honest. I don't know that I wanted any more extra mechanics to deal with, um, but I love that Piper's in this. It's really fun. I'm playing with her right now, and I love the DLC. Overall, I think this is a really cool roguelike game that does something different. And I, I honestly feel like um, I'm a little bit warmer on it now than I was in the past. Maybe I'm just in a different headspace or maybe I'm just more in the mood for something like this, but um, I'm having a pretty good time with it now. And I feel like I'm having a better time with it now than I did in the past. So I don't know if there's been tweaks or something to the form that's different, but I really like it a lot. The only caveat that I would say about this is that something about this visual style, and maybe it's my brain, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but something about the UI Things are not where I think they should be. And I often struggle to see, like, for example, when I go to buy provisions, I need to buy food for my ship. And I look, and, like, normally when you see how much something costs, how much money you have, it's pretty straightforward. But in this game, something about the way they have it laid out just doesn't work for my brain. And I'm often wondering, how much does this thing cost? I'm not exactly sure. Mm. How much money do I have? I'm not exactly sure. <clears throat> and it's weird because I feel like the information is there, but it's just presented in a way that my brain just does not absorb it the way it does in other games well, something about the ui let me help you out because i was going to say as i'm looking at the screenshots remembering this game it's yeah. got that very comic book cartoony style mm -hmm. and yeah. um that style i think both of us like love or hate like it can get in the way i think sometimes it can yes um, yes, yes. so what's funny and i'm gonna really i'm gonna go back to curious expedition but a tangent is i'm on the steam page and it says uh games that are similar and it says wilder myth um, and so I wrote that down for myself cause I, I never finished that game Oh yeah, and yeah, I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. So that's an exciting thing. But Wilder Myth has the same style where it's this kind of comic booky style mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to relate to you in those menus, it, because a lot of it's cursive and I mm -hmm. see a lot of cursive and curious expedition too, I get confused. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's what it is, but like the comic book style and the cursive maybe like not know like what I was looking at sometimes. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Cause I really, I really took a minute. And I'm like, I was trying to figure out like, okay, why am I struggling with this so much? Because I can read and I know what numbers are. So, and I've played games before. So like with all those three facts, it feels like I shouldn't have such a, a problem, but I really do feel like something about how they've presented the game in the UI is really like, is not jibing with my brain. So that's my only struggle with it. Um, it's not a huge struggle and it's not like stopping me from playing the game. I really am liking it um, a lot. And I definitely would recommend it uh, for people who want roguelikes, bite-sized roguelikes. Exploration roguelike is something that we don't see very often. And I love the art style. I mean, I, it's very, like, Tintin-like. Like, if anybody's familiar with that, maybe our European listeners, probably more so than our American listeners. Um, but I love it. It's just, it looks great. And I, I think this is, a, it's very on point. It's just that one little struggle. So just caveat mm -hmm. on that. Something about the UI is tricking my brain. But the DLC for the SteamWorld stuff is super neat. There's also a couple of other DLCs, which I've bought and downloaded uh, on my own dime, and I'm enjoying those as well. So Curious Expedition 2, I'm glad that I, I came back to it because I honestly feel like I'm getting more out of it this time than I did in the past. 
and I'm having a pretty good time. Check it out. Also, check it out. It's a demo on Steam right now. The there you uh, go. the second version. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, uh, so thumbs up on that. Let's go over to you for Medieval Dynasty. And for some reason, I know, again, this is my broken brain, but whenever I see Medieval Dynasty, I think of those stupid um, big bearded duck guys who were like Duck Dynasty that was on whatever like (laughs) Bravo or whatever channel that was. Every time I hear Medieval Dynasty, I expect to see big beards and shotguns and ducks. And I I know in my heart that that's not what this game is. It sure is. And I just can't shake that mental image. Carlos, are there ducks? Are there shotguns? Are there beards in Medieval Dynasty? There might be some beards. Um, That's about as much as you'll get. Okay. Um, Let me go because they actually, uh, I want to make sure I get this right. Because the developer made uh, other Dynasty games. Uh, Render Cube is the developer. And they made Wild West uh, Dynasty. Is it called Wild West Dynasty? Yep. Let me see. Yep. Wild West Dynasty. Um, I think they made a couple others like that. Um, so, anyways, it's it's in that kind of you know vein of like um, simulation of being yeah. in the world. Anyways, I won't go through all their games, but um, <clears throat> why I was interested in it is because uh, similar. I think I was just looking at you know starting up a new open world RPG, looking at the ones I've already played, which is all of them. And we were talking, I think, even on the show about Kingdom Come Deliverance. Yeah, we were. Um, and how, you know, I don't know if I want to go back because it's pretty grueling and they really make you, like, suffer a long time before you can, like, get good uh, at even doing combat, which is, you know, the realism part of it. It's kind of cool. But at the same time, I was dying a bunch and I just felt like, I don't know, I, I couldn't win and that power fantasy was not there. So right. I was looking for a game like that and like Skyrim, but maybe it wasn't, like, as hardcore and, you know, I wouldn't feel so bad about myself. Enter Medieval Dynasty. Um, <laughs> I will I will say, just to, to yes and what you're saying, um, not feeling bad about myself is definitely a quality I look for in my video games. Yes. Well, you know what happens <laughs> like with uh, Souls games or yes. any game that kind of punishes you for like either they want you to do it their way, which we've talked about in the show, or it's just difficult, like super difficult. So yeah, yeah. this is just like a sandbox game where like the only high stakes are who you romance and like, if you're gonna find resources, like okay. that's what this game is. It's like, I mean, that's that's pretty real, dude. I have the, I had those same struggles by myself. In the right. Past, so by the way, I anytime I play a game like this, which I'll explain a little bit more, I'm always reminded of Simpsons and when Bart is playing like the lawn simulator. Yes. But he doesn't actually want to cut the real lawn. Yes. 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 So you know, there's a fantasy element because there is a story campaign as well, and so it's just very loose. So it feels like Skyrim. It looks like. Skyrim and Kingdom Come Deliverance looks just like that style, first person. Um, <clears throat> I think you can jump out the third person, but I've only done first person. So for you, I think you can jump out. Um, and then, yeah, you're just introduced to a town. There's a little bit of a backstory. Um, and in this town, you've you know got to really quickly make a house and kind of make a, a life for yourself. And it's a small village with like, you know, eight or ten homes, you know, the bar and stuff like that, all medieval style. And it is really relaxing to, you know, in the world that we live in of constant content, constant worrying, um, you know, who knows what kind of crisis is happening. Uh, what did Kanye do? Um, oh, Jesus, let's let's not go there. I today. know, neither of us give a shit. But is that, you know, this is a simple world that you get to be transported into. And it's quite relaxing. Like, I'm, I'm kind of playing it every evening. So you go in there and, you know, there's no fancy technology and i just 
I think you can get a sword and there might be combat later, but you don't have to. It's really just about, you know, making a little house. And then after you make a little house, you, you're going to kind of work on a community. It's actually like community building. And so when you meet people in the town, if you talk to them enough and converse enough, you can be like, hey, do you want to join my little community? So I know when I just said that it sounded like a cult, maybe it's not, I don't think. Um, I haven't <laughs> I mean, played it far enough. Kind of game, but... Is this the kind of game where you're like going out in the woods and punching trees and then like you collect five wood and then you go back and build something? Like, is there like crafting and stuff? Yeah, or? let me tell you the gameplay loop. Okay. So okay. that's the general gist of what you're doing. <clears throat> and again, you're just basically starting in this little town. Um and it's a pretty massive map. And then, yeah, you basically have to go get rocks and collect branches and do some crafting. And then you can make a house. And then you, you know, work on anything you can think in Skyrim, right? You know, the home edition where you can, like, make a bed or make, you know. Exactly, yeah. So it's all that, and but it's just mainly that. And then, like, I haven't romanced anyone yet, but you can basically pick, you know. Um, you know, I think you have to be a man and romance a woman. That's kind of limiting. You can't choose to be a lady? I don't think you can oh maybe you can no never mind never mind i think you can i think you can okay i didn't do any homework and i just picked a man in the beginning so but in my scenario i have to you know there's many different women in the town and it seems like almost all of them i could you know choose is the one i want to you know court um and then at some point you could get married and then they'll you know they can join you in your house and so that's kind of the goal of the game. I don't know if there's a bigger arcing, overarching story besides like really just kind of creating a community where people like, like you know, working because then at some point they will do the jobs for you. So instead of you going to do all the resource collecting, like you can hire somebody to be the farmer. I mean, would it be fair <clears throat> to say that you're trying to build your own dynasty? Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, it's just relaxing fun, man. Like, I don't, the only, I'm trying to think of a negative. It's a little clunky. It's a little slow. I wish the character would move faster. I don't like the fact that you kind of like always have that stamina, not stamina, but, um, well, stamina, but when you, you know, what you can't carry too much, what is it called? Encumbrance. Oh, encumbrance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a drag. I just would rather even not have it in this kind of a game, you know, like developers, maybe just patch it out because. Yeah. I want to go and just like explore and collect a ton of things and get random flowers that I yes. find out in the let's, woods. Let's, let's remember games are supposed to be fun. Let's remember that. Just get rid of it. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, yeah, so that's the only, there's only a couple of cons, but like, let me just give you a quick little, uh, uh, idea of what I was just doing the last time I was in the game is literally, I was just like, it, it turns night, right? Like there's a day night cycle. So I was just like looking for rocks for this kind of thing I'm trying to finish, which is just like, I need a bunch of rocks for it. And so it was nighttime and I didn't want to go home yet because I wanted to finish this project. So like just a minute ago, I was like at night, in the dead of night, everyone else is sleeping in town. And I'm out there with my torch, like going through the the, the riverside and like looking for rocks. <laughs> As you do. As you do. And that's like, that's what I was doing in the game for a while. Like, and it didn't bother me. I was like, oh, there's one. Oh, wait, hold on. I mean, if you feel motivated enough, anything can be fun, right? Like if you had a good reason to be out there in the dead of night with a torch looking for rocks. I mean, if there was some something that felt good about doing that, then I think that's valid. You know? Well, what it is, is it's like if you just want to stay in the game world and it happens to be night, you're still going to keep playing. You know what I right, mean? Right. And instead of going to bed, which I guess I could have done as well. But I was like, I'm just going to do more stuff because I want to finish this one project, you know, and then I help someone fix his roof. Like, it's just fun little things like that, you know? Oh, and last thing I think I'll say is that they do add one element that's kind of like a Skyrim or RPG, is you can steal things. 
Okay. So, That's you know, smart. there's a little bit of that. And so one time I was pretty poor and I didn't want to like, you know, do this huge thing to get this, you know, craft this one thing. I took a hoe from the, like somebody's house. I feel like this is the beginning of a joke. Go ahead. No, I could have made that another joke. I didn't. Um, but I just took like one of the utensils, you know, and I just kind of kept it and, and I did it when they weren't looking. You just permanently borrowed their spatula. Oh, I permanently borrowed it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I like the game. I, I recommend it. It's a weird thing. It's kind of almost like a power wash game. It's like you just go yeah. and do this thing for a little bit. I mean, I believe this is on Game Pass. Is that where you're playing it or where are you playing it? Oh, shit. Am I? I think that's right. I am 99.9% sure it's on Game Pass right now. So yeah. anybody who is even remotely intrigued at the idea of living that medieval life, uh, check it out. I mean, it's just uh, it's a quote unquote free game, as we discussed earlier, and, and see what it's like. I am curious about this one. Uh, I was looking at it when it was on PC last year, and I, at, at that time, I was like, oh, I could go for something like that, like just something kind of chill and walk around and maybe collect rocks at nighttime is something that I, <laughs> I like to do. So uh, I'm curious. I don't know that I'm in the mood for it right now, but I definitely will probably check it out. And I think my my kid was playing it as well, and, and uh, I think they had something positive to say about it too. So Yeah, I yeah, mean, there it is. you add the romance element. You add a little <clears throat> bit of like thievery. You know, it's like some of those elements of the, of the RPG world you know are yeah. there. And yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. Oh, this feels kind of like Skyrim, but I'm not like fighting monsters and I'm not like freaked out and I'm not dying a bunch, which is great. You know, I'm just like worried about being a little hungry. There's some hunger meters and stuff like that, but none of it felt like crazy. Like all of it felt like, you know, pretty good meters. Gotcha. So check it out. And by the way, medieval dynasty, <clears throat> but you're saying medieval dynasty. So we yes. say the word differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the the correct or maybe even correct based on where you are. Maybe English people and uh, American people say it differently or whatever. I usually say a medieval dynasty. But yeah, I, mean I say medieval, medieval always. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, we're going to solve that mystery on another day. Yes, we are. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Talk about Scorn. This is a long, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's not long awaited, but Scorn made a splash when it was at the most recent uh, Xbox event or whatever. Like they put out a trailer and I remember a lot of people being pretty intrigued by this. This is the first person sci-fi game that seems to, I mean, I was going to say borrow liberally, but I think it's probably more appropriate to say wholesale copy uh, the artwork of HR Giger, who is the the guy who masterminded alien uh, most famous uh, Swedish guy who did, you know, all the biomechanical stuff, like all the, weird domey shapes and machines that look like body parts and body parts that look like machines and lots of lips and boobs and penises all over the place. I mean, that's his, I mean, iconic style. Anybody who's seen alien or, or has seen any of his artwork will know exactly what I'm talking about. And the entire world of scorn is that it's like a biomechanical kind of first person game. And the trailers, I'm, I'm sure you saw this trailer. You saw this trailer, didn't you, Carlos? I've seen so much of this game. I have, I have thoughts. Yeah. yeah, I've seen gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's been, I mean, everybody who watches it is immediately like, ooh, that looks really harsh and weird and gross and bloody and scary. Body horror in spades, right? Yeah. But we didn't quite know what it was. Like, the trailers were very provocative, but that's all we had. So the game drops um, on Game Pass. To me, it was kind of a surprise. I didn't think it was ready or it was coming out, but it is. It's on Game Pass dropped a couple days ago and i jumped in really quickly you have not uh you have not played this game have you i've not played it i've watched footage by the way just to really uh, close the loop on how we say things i think i always say hr geiger but maybe i'm wrong it's geiger uh, i believe it's geiger but i'm not sure i guess we can he's german the... i believe right is there a swiss I think it's swedish, swiss. I think it's yeah, swedish. Yeah. uh anyways is there you know if anybody listening 
if there's a website somewhere where you can like enter a word and like there's an audio recording of how you properly pronounce that word, that would be a pretty useful website to us here I, on the I podcast, if, I think. Yeah, I wonder if Google Translate just does that because you know how they, know. they have the audio version. I have no idea. If anybody knows, I would love to know because I don't know. But but before you t- one more setup for this game before yeah. we go into it. it. All I've seen from it, which is exactly what you said, it looks like H.R. Giger uh, artwork, twisted, and also bloody and body yeah. gore, which generally I don't like too much. I like this comedian on SNL right now, Sarah Sherman. She does some body horror, but it's like mixed with comedy, so I can like handle it better. But if it's just to be dark and depressing and like everybody's going to get hurt a lot of different ways, then I don't yeah. like that, you know? So yeah. I was noping out from the very beginning, even though I like looked at it from afar like it's a beautiful thing. I don't want to go through body horror. So tell me I don't want to go through body horror probably. I mean, I don't blame you, dude, because I'm, I'm not really like a big <laughs> fan of it either, although I do kind of like Giger's artwork, and I was curious because it's been a while since I played something that was like this deep into the sci-fi. I mean, even just looking at the trailer, you get a very good sense of like the aesthetic they're going for. So I was curious um, and it's on game pass. So like, you know, whatever it's, it's my time to download is really all I'm investing. Um, So I will say, I guess I wasn't sure what to expect, right? We expected body horror, we expected gross. I download the game, I jump into it and you start off as a, I mean, I I guess I'm going to call you a person, but you're not a human being. You're some kind of, other thing you look human ish uh but you're not like you're some kind of creature alien i don't know what you are exactly and then it gives you all this imagery of like you're inside a biomechanical factory i guess a structure fortress you're not really sure what it is and then you're outside and it's like uh the surface of mars or something where it's like all dust and rocks and wind and you can see the factory in the distance and you're walking towards it but then you're back inside of it and it's kind of this weird kind of dream setup and I mean, they kind of give you, like, vibes, but no hard info. Like, I don't know if you even have a name, what you are, what your purpose is. Like, you're just, like, this person thing walking around. And so, that. That's your beginning. Just question marks, right? So, you start playing the game, and it's very interesting because you don't even know what the game is, and then you just start playing. You have to kind of figure out as you go. No tutorials. um, No cutscenes, no instructions, anything. I mean, you can look at the controller map and the options. That's about all the information you have. Mm. Um, so it's interesting because the very first thing that you do is a giant multi-room, multi-step puzzle that you have to do to unlock this door to move on. But you don't even know that it's a puzzle at first. Like, you're just wandering around about where am I supposed to go? Like, what... A lot of weird Giger hallways that look like they're out of Alien and a lot of like everything's gray. Everything is gray, different shades of gray. Everything looks like rib cage or guts or something like everything looks like you're inside a dead whale. Um, and you just don't even know what you're even doing. Am I going to fight? Is there monsters? Is there like what is even happening? Um, so it takes a while before you even figure out what you're supposed to do. And then once you walk around long enough, you'll see little hot spots here and there. So you're like, OK, I got to figure out a hot spot. And I got I like a real talk, dude. It took me more than two hours, probably, to figure out the first puzzle. Because, number one, I had to recognize that it was a puzzle. Then, I had to recognize, where can I go? What what can I do? How do I interact with things? And then, once you get that going, where is the thing that I need? What are the steps that I need? It took me quite a while to, way longer than I expected, to, to put the, all those pieces together. Yeah. Um, so, once I finally figured out, oh, I'm in a puzzle... And, oh, here's the thing that I need, and I think this is A, and this is B, and this is C. Then I put it all together, and I move forward. But 
it's kind of a rough start, dude. And I could see a lot of people noping out at the beginning because you just don't even know what the fuck's even going on. And the game doesn't really hold your hand at all. So I got past that, which took way longer than I thought, way longer than I wanted. Uh, moved on to the next section. And again, oh, another giant environmental multi-step puzzle. Mm. So that's what this game is. This game is giant environmental multi-step puzzles. And eventually you do get to some combat, uh, which is a shame because the combat is terrible in this game. Um, I got the first weapon, which looks like a gun. It is totally not a gun. It's like a little uh, a pokey stick, but it looks like a gun. And you use it to activate switches, but you also use it to poke monsters. And I could not tell depth perception. I was like trying to poke the thing and I was like way off, dude. I was like not even close. And I was like, oh, geez. And then the monsters would get me because I thought I was shooting them and I wasn't. And I, I was close enough to poke them and I wasn't. Mm. Um, the combat is real clunky, uh, real just just not great. And I think the less combat, the better. And I think they often want you to run past things if you can. Yeah, I heard that, um, by the way, that they yeah. the combat is only a couple like main stages that they, they, they make you use it. Yeah. And then it's yeah. not really like encouraged, which is interesting. Yeah, there's not much combat and it's good mm-hmm. because the combat is not great. But I mean, honestly, it's just a lot of really, really big puzzles. Um, and the biomechanical stuff is just kind of set dressing. Like I think, I mean, I, I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my motivation is. It's one of those games where you feel like you have to do the puzzle because that is what's in front of you, but you don't know why you're doing it. You don't know what's next you don't know like who you are like no connection to the character no connection to the story no context for anything that's going on am i a slave am i a biomechanical cog in this machine am i an escapee am i am i the the ruler of this place i've been deposed like i have no idea what's going on and my strong suspicion is that when you get to the end of the game you probably will know just as much as you did at the beginning which is probably nothing at all so i did not have enough motivation to push forward and just doing like two hours per puzzle was not anything that appealed to me. So I noped out pretty quickly. Um, I will say that I was talking to people on Twitter about this game and Twitter user fearful avoidant uh, made a really astute comment. And I wanted to give credit. They said that this is an environment in search of a game, which I think is really perfect spot on because the graphics very giger, very weird biomechanical. They look awesome. If you like that style, but the gameplay of just like these giant wonky puzzles is just, oh man, it's just not doing it for me. Combat terrible and lack of story motivation. It's like they poured all the resources into amazing graphics and they are amazing, but none of none of the other stuff that you would want in a killer game is there, I don't think. Yeah, I would say that um, it seems like, it, so there's a, a positive and a negative. The positive is they, they nailed their vision, right? I hear that a lot when people yeah. are reviewing it. Like this is a really realized world and art style. So nailed it, right? Then secondly, what's the game though? Because we do yeah. have to be like pushed along to want to do something. And that's either a gameplay that's really fun or a story that makes you feel so compelled that you have to do it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and I think they could have added that to this because, you know, like we said, and we'll go back to Giger in a minute, but like Alien or something like that, right? There's a real uh, urgent story happening. Exactly. Alongside incredible scenes of, you know, graphics of aliens and stuff like that. So. I think they missed the boat with that because they might get a bunch of people who like the world. But yeah, it seems like from all the gameplay stuff I watch on YouTube that people are like, oh, this is just kind of a puzzle game. And sometimes we run away from monsters. And yeah, it's just yeah. kind of a world. Yeah, it, it, that's that's what it is. It just doesn't feel the killer hooks that you would need to get invested. Like I could see myself getting invested in this if it was just like 
something to interest my brain more than just like, okay, here's the gun, then this gun activates three switches, and once I hit these three switches, which look like um, spleens, then these activate these four tubes, which look like intestines. But really, like when you take away the dressing of the, the biomechanical stuff, it's just like really just really simple kind of like straightforward environmental puzzles. And once you understand how the game works, yeah. that first level is going to fuck you up because you don't even know what you're doing. But once you get, you're like, Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. There's always going to be three switches. There's always going to be a new tool. Then it's just like, you're kind of just going through the motions and just looking at a bunch of guts, which is not, not fun, not entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I will say one thing real quick as a tangent for Giger. Cause I of course like went to the internet and looked at um, his Wikipedia one, there's a Giger bar in Switzerland that I really want to go to now. Like, imagine what that looks like inside. Oh, man, I'd rather not. Oh, I think I'd dig it. Uh, there was a Giger guitar made, which seems really cool. No, I want that. <clears throat> and um, he worked on, I mean, so many films. But remember, he did some of the early artwork for the original Dune. The original Dune, yes. Which, those are some crazy images. Which yeah. never got made, which is so depressing because that just looked so beautiful. Um, and of course the Dune that we got was David Lynch's, which I like David Lynch, but yeah. And then besides alien and all that stuff, like I, the last thing I saw of his, I remember his, his, um, that feel, that kind of weird, dark feel, uh, Prometheus. Yes. Which yes. was also an alien movie, but not really like marketed as that. So anyways, done a lot of really cool stuff. Check out HR Giger. Uh, if you want, if you enjoyed the world of scorn. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, Scorn is on Game Pass. I'm sure that somebody will think this game is amazing. And if you do, that's awesome. Like, no, not trying to take that away from me. But for me, uh, kind of disappointed. I kind of expected more from it. Um, and I think that uh, Fearful Avoidance comment about it's a really awesome environment in search of a good game is is kind of how I ended up feeling about it. Yeah, I don't want to go into a world that just has body horror and there's puzzles because that doesn't seem interesting to me. Yeah. So, exactly. but anyways. All right, moving on. I got one more here talking about the last hero of Nostalgia. And I got a full disclosure. I read this as last hero of nostalgia for like months. Um, and I didn't even realize until yesterday. Oh, wait, the A and the I are flipped. It's actually Nostalgia. Boy, did I feel kind of silly. But to my credit, or at least to be fair to me, uh, nostalgia does work as a, as a, as a word for this game. Based on what it is. So it made perfect sense that you would call it Last Hero of Nostalgia, uh, but it is actually Nostalgia. Mm. This is a third-person Souls-like, and we're going to be talking more about Souls-like in just a second. Um, this is... Man, okay, so like, what you are is a little bit murky, but it's kind of one of those games where, oh no, the world used to be high-poly and, and high-resolution, and something happened, and now we're a pixel world! Oh no! And there's many of these games. There's many. They're usually 2D, uh, but this one is 3D. And your hero is literally, uh, it's like 20 pixels. You're like a stick man made of pixels. That's all you are. I'm seeing um, the character, character customization screen, and it has yes. the pixel guy on it, which is yes. hilarious. It's like nose depth, brow depth, eye color, hair color, and you're looking at nine white pixels. Wait, so when so, you change that, does it show up later? Uh, well, I didn't play that long, but oh. I... I I, I all I saw was a stick and I thought that was very funny. It is funny. Um, this game tries to be funny. I, I believe it is trying to be funny in some ways. I don't think it's a comedy game or if it is, it didn't land with me as much as I think it maybe wanted to, but I think it's kind of more of a irony kind of a play on words sort of a game or something. Like I don't think it's a, a laugh out loud yuck fest yeah. but it's also not a dead serious game either it kind of lands in a weird middle ground well maybe like that um, game i'm playing right now zenith which zenith? is kind of like 
Yeah, here's some jokes and here's some actual gameplay, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely jokes, but then sometimes I feel like it's kind of serious and I just I don't know exactly what vibe it's supposed to be going for. Mm. Or maybe I'm just not getting it. But basically, you play this stick guy or girl, whatever. You're a stick person and you're in like a Souls-like environment. And at first it's like kind of pixely and low poly, but it's all the Souls stuff. Like you're doing Souls stuff as a stick person. You're, do- you're blocking, uh, weak attack, strong attack, dodge roll... Uh, you got your your flask to replenish your health. Like like this is souls to a T, dude. Everything about it is souls. There's a bonfire. Um, you can level up there. You got stats. Like it it is it is Dark Souls, um, just like with a different coat of paint on it. This pixel paint. Um, I didn't get too far uh, because I ran into some trouble. But basically, it's just souls. Like if you want to know the Souls game, that's what this is. But on top of that is the whole. Oh no, there's also like um, I don't know, like some kind of like we're in a fantasy world, but we're also like in a, in a virtual simulation. So like you look at a, you find this well, uh, as you're, as you're exploring a world, which looks very much like the original dark souls hub. Um, and it's also, it's, it's, it's almost exactly shaped like the exact same dark souls hub too, where there's one path that goes down, one path that goes up. Oh, there's a well nearby. Like it's very like on the nose, right? Very on the nose. So you look inside this well, which looks like a well made of stone and stuff, but then it's like, Oh, the data stream is dried up and there used to be a lot of, data coming through here and it kind of looks like the little data stream from tron that's kind of going up to the sky or whatever so they're kind of going for a mix between data computer and also medieval stone and wood so it's kind of a weird interesting thing Mm. you'll get armor at some point and when you put in the armor it looks like actual armor so it's armor that's on a stick guy which is pretty funny interesting um and it helps the visuals a little bit more because as the stick guy, the depth perception was kind of rough, but you're just walking around like you're doing soul stuff to a T like you're, you're hitting dudes, you're picking up stuff. You're um, you know, there's no map of course, cause, cause God forbid a souls game has a map and it, it's just, it's just doing that stuff. But it fell down for me pretty quickly. One of the things that this game does that souls doesn't do is you're supposed to be able to power up your weapons by recovering memory. And I don't know whether that is, like ram memory or if it's like personal memory or maybe it's both but this guy is like you get to the hub the dark souls hub and this old guy sitting there and he's like hey look at the look at the sword in your inventory and i'm like okay cool so i go to the inventory there's a sword and then he's like click on the lore and there's like literally a lore button for it because every souls game must have lore on the items right Mm -hmm. so i click the lore and it's like this this sword was powered up by plunging it into the heart of an old man. And here's an old man literally standing in front of me telling me to look at the lore. I'm putting two and two together. So I'm like, okay, I'll stab you. I don't care. So I get out of the, the I equip the sword, stab the guy. And he's like, no, I'm like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do then? And like, that's as far as I got. I couldn't figure out the next step. Everything was locked. I couldn't go anywhere. What? And it was telling me, you know, the lore is saying, stab the old guy. And I lock on the old guy and I stab him and he's like, no, not now, not now. And I'm like, well, when? What am I supposed to do? Um, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And I've got to be honest with you. I was not going to go look up in a tutorial or an FAQ to get past like the first 15 minutes of gameplay. So I got stuck. I didn't know what it was supposed to tell me to do. And I'm like, well, if I'm stuck now. I'm going to be stuck later. And I'm I'm, I don't, I don't need to play another Souls clone because we live in a world where Elden Ring came out. Okay. That's this timeline. We may be in the darkest timeline. We are, we are in the darkest timeline, but Elden Ring is a thing that came out. And if Elden Ring exists, that is the bar by which all other souls likes are going to be measured. Unless you're doing your own thing. This game is not doing its own thing. It is doing dark souls one one So I must measure you by that bar and by that bar you are lacking. And if I can't figure out this thing that you're trying to tell me, I don't know if it was a glitch. Maybe it was a bug. 
because when you when you when the sword is telling me stab the old man and the old man is standing right in front of me and then I stab him and it says you're doing the wrong thing I don't know where to go and that's such a missed joke because that's a pretty good joke you know you're like it is kind of you a good read joke, a lore yes. you do it and the guy freaks out well that that's not that's not where I thought you were gonna get noping out from this game because I thought you were just gonna nope out from exhaustion of souls likes but that too but I didn't play it long enough to get exhausted although right. that was a very real danger but yeah uh, yeah no. and I'm wondering because another joke that I think would be great if they do is that in the beginning when you can customize your stick figure which you can't see. If later on you become real or something, yeah, and then you see all those changes you made, that's kind of funny. That would be hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that happens. Maybe, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but you know, it was just. I mean, I didn't even play long enough to get fatigued, but I'm sure that I would. Like the very first boss, when you get to it, it starts. You know, it's like a Dark Souls boss. I think it's a little bit too hard for the for first boss. But you're rolling around. Um, you're doing chip damage to it. It like it smokes you, and then it's like, of course, this is a Dark Souls game. Like, okay, like I enough okay like i'm good on that and i just i don't need to play also rands of something that doesn't really seem to be bringing a lot of uh its own innovation to it so i mean i'm sure i'm coming off very negative i'm sure these people are nice folks and put a lot of hard work and and effort into it but it's just like a lot of the jokes weren't landing it wasn't funny it is dark souls 101 um shamefully so and if you couldn't even get me past your tutorial your tutorial successfully i don't have a lot of faith that you're going to do much right for the rest of the game yeah Seems like an interesting idea, though, at least with what they were doing with the stick figure and, and stuff like that, and see where it advances. It reminds me of where I forgot what that game was. Oh, crap. I mean, I'm going to forget, but I was playing a game recently <clears throat> where I really enjoyed the weird story they were telling, but I, yes. I got stuck on the gameplay and I was like, fuck this, you know, I'm out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. I wish As- I could have known. Oh, it was Hysterigos. Thank Asterigos. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which some of the people uh, I talk to on Twitter really enjoy it, and, and that's fine. There's a lot to enjoy there. But, man, yeah, there's a couple parts where I was like, <clears throat> I don't want to go through this struggle even though I'm enjoying it. So, um, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, bummer, but, like, I'd be okay if the whole industry just kind of took a, a break from, like, soul stuff for a please. while. And Yeah, please do. Please do. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway, last hero of Nostalgia, I noped out, um, and we go but you know we're not going to leave the souls train just yet nope because choo-choo indeed (laughs) my friend uh we talked about the last aura crew last week and we're going to be returning now um in the time between last episode and this episode i did have a chance to put some time into it i played a little bit i know you played a little bit more so we can talk now in in further depth now that the game is officially out no more embargoes um so let's return to you carlos give us a quick refresher on what the last aura crew is and then uh let's go into your further thoughts yeah, so the story uh, is a little confusing, but in general, you are a person who wakes up from, I guess, cryostasis or transport because you're, I don't think you're of this earth that you are brought to. I don't think so. Yeah, no. but you're a human. Uh, I think male or female, right? I'm pretty sure you make the choice in the beginning. No, I think you have to be a man. You oh, that's right. Man. You have to be that guy because he's got that weird voice. Yep. Oh, man, this character. So, yeah, you're this character. I, yeah, the only choices you can pick are if you're bald or like half bald. It's, that is the strangest choice that is the ever. Choice. It is a bizarre choice, yes. There's a lot of bizarre choices about this game. And again, we played it early. I like the idea of it being um, <clears throat> a, a game where the choices actually matter, and they do, because we'll talk about it here in a minute. But uh, action RPG, third-person kind of game. You start off, again, uh, kind of figuring out where why you're even in this like castle uh, with these kind of overlord-type people and these rat people. And you're just told that the rat people are bad and the overlord type people want you to go kill them. And they're just, you know, 
really dicks or something. You know, they're, they're saying like the rat people are the worst thing in the world. But then if you start talking to the rat people, they're like, no, those guys are torturing us. We can't leave. And so you've got to make, you know, a decision early on of like who you're going to side with. So that's the setup. <clears throat> the gameplay is third person action adventure RPG ish. Um, you know, it's a little clunky. I remember it was clunky in the demo. It's still the same kind of clunky. I think you and I were talking about how, um, yeah, it's just like the aiming is a little weird. Yeah. The dodging's a little weird. Uh, you know, I love the dodge and it felt bad at times. Um, AI is a little weird. Just things are a little off. But that being said, I was still like interested because early on, the story choices I was making and decisions I was making affected the game like immediately. Yes, yes. And I loved that. And I was like so excited because I was like, this is the kind of thing I've been waiting for an RPG world where choices are really apparent. Uh, And again, we'll do kind of a mini spoiler thing at the end of this to see where you went with it. And so that part I liked. But the part that we'll both go about is that it's too much Souls-like. Yes, boy, talk about inappropriate souls usage. Inappropriate boy. souls usage. That's a great way to say it. Because at some point you find a transporty futuristic thing, again, not explained, and you can level up with it and get like captain's log diaries. Yeah, it's a bonfire. It's a it's a, it's it's a, a high tech bonfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't expecting that, you know, because I played the demo. I don't think I saw that in the demo. Or maybe it was in the demo, I forgot. Anyways, but I just wasn't expecting the idea as soon as I went in there to do things. When I left that place, all the monsters are back. Yes. Um, and so that was the part that made my heart sink because it's unnecessarily buggy and difficult at times. Mm-hmm. And so if you worked really hard to get to your area and you're making all these big choices and you really feel like you're affecting the world, to have that loop be in there just felt shitty. And It I have, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it any d- sense. I didn't even make any sense. Before I let you I'll do the hand off the baton, the other thing that really kind of sucked once I figured that out was there were definitely areas where the bad guys would just kill you. Yeah. And it wasn't like I'm not getting good or whatever. It was just like you have to like drink enough health potions or be like level up enough because you just go to around the corner and you just get killed, killed. Like there's yeah. no there's no option, you know. I don't know if you, you know the area I'm talking about, but there's a kind of area in, in the castle where – any direction you attack it, you like get killed by arrows immediately. Um, uh, I th- yes, I knew I know exactly where you're talking about, and I, that was about the point that I quit playing the game. It so. makes it makes you want to quit. That's like a rage yes. quit point, and um, it is. Yeah. So I'll let you go, and then I'll have some more final thoughts. But I mean, so this game reminds me a lot of um, some Eurojank adventures, which I really do like. Like Risen Elex. reminded me a lot of Ri- Elex. Absolutely, we love them. It's got that. It's not open like that. Like these are kind of fixed levels, um, which is fine. I don't need an open world all the time. But basically, that same kind of like Euro janky sort of like the combat only kind of works and the cutscenes are not that great. But the feeling of what they're trying to do kind of carries it, right? Yep. Like you you get invested in the story. And I got to be honest, dude, I didn't think this story was going to grab me, but it actually kind of did. I um I really echo you in the sense that I feel like gameplay wise. Um, I hated what this game was doing, but story-wise, I was like, oh, I definitely want to I want to play more. I'm going to see what's going on. Um, the idea that you are somebody from not this world and you have to kind of like use your technology and then kind of figure out what's happening with these, um, these other races and stuff is really interesting. Um, 
but the soul stuff is just so misapplied here it does not belong here at all like the idea okay so you cannot do any manual saves which to me was a big red flag mm-hmm. uh no manual saves because sometimes you're, you're still learning the game like i don't even understand like what they want me to do or what you know what's possible and they want you to do like they want you to, to commit early on to whatever happens happens which is okay, I guess, but you have to at least first give me a chance to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they do the what's happens happens too soon, and I don't feel ready to commit to it by the time that they're asking you to let, to let things go if you mess things up, right? Can, can, For example... Can I add to that before you yeah, do an yeah, example? Yeah, yeah, The first time I knew that that was a problem because I couldn't find the save button was I walked off a cliff, you know, kind of yeah. like just almost to test it to see like, well, yes. did it... Has can it, I even walk off the cliff? Yeah, has it been auto-saving, you know? And it said minus something. Like it said you lost something. And I go, I shouldn't lose something from falling off a cliff. And then yeah. it all started like falling down a, a, a thing of cards or something. I was like, oh, I'm going to lose something because it's got some Souls-like stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. That's they, how I saw it. I, I mean, I agree. Like there's a lot of things that happen when I felt like I was still just learning the basics of the game. And then I'm like, oh, great. I already lost standing with so there's like three or four factions the rat people the white aliens the the other weird looking blue aliens or something um so there's at least three or four factions and like almost everything you do gives you plus or minus standing with these factions yeah and like i started losing standing when i still felt like i was going through the tutorial and i'm like okay this is i'm not ready to commit quite yet but like it's also glitchy like there's also problems with this game um for example uh i so at one point you're supposed to do a sneak mission and they have never talked about stealth. I wasn't even sure if you could even duck. I didn't even know how this was going to work. Oh yeah. The stealth mission. And so I messed up the stealth mission because I was like, I'm not even sure how your stealth works. I failed the mission, but then what happens is instead of it carrying forward, like it was supposed to, it crashed the whole game crashed. Oh shit. So then I, I got a chance to go back and then I did it a totally different way and I passed it the second time. But like you should have a manual save. If I feel like a manual save is important. Um, I don't think the idea of preventing people from saving in a game where they don't even understand the mechanics is a problem. Like you need to at least teach the mechanics first. Um, can I, also, can like, I drill down on that? How'd you, yeah. how'd you do it? Cause I couldn't seal that scepter. So what happens is I, I tried like normal, like I wait. So you're in a room, these guards are walking back and forth and they have a path. They walk. Back yeah. And there's forth, a yeah. set path. They're like robots basically. And it seems like what you're supposed to do is wait until they turn their back and then you walk forward. And I don't know what happened, but like every time I tried it, well, the one time I tried it, I walk in the room after the guy is going the other way. He immediately turned around and got me. Yeah, and I'm me like, too. am I supposed to tiptoe? But I don't see a tiptoe button. I don't see like I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Right. So what I did the next time was I climbed up to the balcony above. I jumped up on a roof. I ran from that roof to another roof. And in this game, there's no fall damage. So you can drop a million miles and you're fine. So I dropped off from like basically the top of the castle uh, okay. in back of the thing. I don't even know if that's what I was supposed to do, but. Uh, I did it and I jumped back there and once I fell down with no fall damage, picked up the thing you needed and then it was just a little jag around the corner to get out of the room where the guys couldn't see me. But if it's just really janky, I don't feel like that was what I was supposed to do. I feel like my first approach should have worked. Um, and if it wasn't for that game crashing, I would have had to go forward with the bitter feeling of I didn't understand how I failed and now I have to accept that I failed. Wait, right? Which so is, yeah, that's what I did. Just so you know. What? That's what I did. You pushed on? Yeah, I just kept going. Like, yeah. I failed because I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And it changed the story, which is why we're, we have totally different stories, I bet. 
Um, So it pushed me down this path that maybe I wasn't going to go down. So it's almost like a positive and negative. Like I don't like that I didn't know how to do it. But also I do like that I just went and it, it, it didn't say like try again. Sure, sure. So that I mean, you know, I, I, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely, I'm okay with with the game design of whatever happens, happens. But only when I know what I'm doing. Like, and I, and I don't mean I need to know all the outcomes first. I mean, I need to know what the buttons. Do. Yeah, me too. I need yeah. to know how the stealth works before you can ask me to to base my whole story progression on me making a mistake because I don't even know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But the game was kind of buggy in other places. Um, there was one cutscene that i didn't see like it jumped forward past the cutscene and the guy's like oh wow that was crazy and i'm like what like <laughs> nice. it was black like nothing happened i didn't see anything and he was talking like i just watched this big cutscene, so i'm not sure what happened there and later on when you get to this this castle section um i don't know about you i mean can we just talk about sp- story choices i don't know that we really need to let's worry do it about within spoilers. the talk to- this is a good place to do it so if you want to skip ahead like okay. three minutes four minutes yeah, if you don't want to hear any story spoilers whatsoever, although to be fair, this is really early on stuff. But it is, yeah, yeah. Well, so story spoilers right now for the last Aura crew. I don't know about you, but I sided with the rats. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I sided with the rats, and so we get to the castle. You're supposed to go through the sewer and open the gate for the rats, and so I go do some of this stuff. Uh, I get to the area. The rats are already inside the castle, and they're fighting. And even though I haven't opened the gate yet, because when I got to the gate, it didn't work. Uh, I saw the the whatever the little wheel that you turn to open the gate and I couldn't interact with it, but I'm like, well, I guess it's okay. Cause the rats are already in. So I guess whatever, I'm going to roll with it. And so the rats are fighting. I go to get my rat bros and back up. I kill all the humans and we're like, yeah. And then um, it glitched. It glitched out when I went to the bonfire, the whole thing crashed again. And then I went back into the, from my bonfire save and none of the rats were there at all. So I went through all that battle and they were not there anymore, but then the wheel worked. So then I had to open the wheel again it was just like this back and mm. forth and just like a lot of this, like not saving and really just weird stuff. But like bottom line, um, I just, I feel like it shouldn't have any soul stuff. Enemies should not come back when you kill them in this game. Um, you shouldn't have to like go to a bonfire and stuff like all the soul stuff that's in this game. And it's a lot. This game would be better off if they just stripped it out and let it play like a regular Euro style RPG. Well, kill the guys. They stay dead. Level up if you want progress the story but like don't make me do the trappings of souls it doesn't make any sense right and to that point what like we just said in the beginning what we were interested in is the story parts that were you know choices that you're making yeah so it's counterintuitive or it's 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 opposite to have souls like in here because you're making choices that are lasting i just messed up a a, a stealth mission and i went with it because that's what you said we're going to do right we're all good the game's just going to push on yep yet the enemies reset. So it doesn't make sense. Like if they took that out, I would finish this game. You know what I mean? Like I would straight up come back to it. It doesn't even make sense in the context of the world because in the game, they talk about you're a special person because you've got a belt that makes you immortal and you get revived at these bonfires or whatever. No one else in the world has a belt. No one else gets revived. You are the spe- they make a big deal about you're the special person. Wait, you and the other humans though. Remember you and the other humans, there's like three humans total that I've seen so far. That's the big deal. Like we need you guys because you guys are immortal. That's your special power. We need to. We you're 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 the thing. So why in the world is everybody else in the world getting reset? Like it doesn't make any sense even narratively within the context of the story. Right. Because if anything, you should reset, and that would be the part of the story. You're like, oh, th- yeah, exactly. That would make you the superior being because you could kill people. Yep. If you get mm. killed, no biggie. You come back, and they're still dead. That makes oh, you a superman. So going back to the game of fairy tales or darkest tales. Yes. Um. That's how it should be. Right. You, and it would be it would totally make with the story because they're like this person keeps coming back to life but we keep dying 
you yes, know, and yes, then yes. and then you go back to a level and it's not as hard because you beat all of them. Damn it. Yeah, it does. It doesn't make any sense. And I feel like they were so bound up on we want to have souls like elements in here. It just does not work. It's like it's like you've got guacamole and then you put like a bunch of like brown sugar in it. Like yeah. I love brown sugar and I love guacamole, but those two things don't go together. And sometimes things just shouldn't go together. Yeah. So this game really misses that boat, man. Hardcore, yeah. which sucks because the story is cool. Like being the immortal guy in this world of people who are not immortal is pretty cool. The, the story factions, the rats are kind of cool bros to hang with. They're kind of funny. Um, I would have liked to see the story, but I'm not going to put up with this gameplay. I don't think I am either, and I really want to because, yes, the, I want to decide with the rats, although they were a little excessive. They were like, now we're going to do revenge, but also we're going to like really do revenge. Yeah, They're like, I mean, want to kill yeah. everything. But um, And the other thing I was going to say is, what a weird choice for the voice acting. Oh, my God. The voice acting is horrific, dude. I'm, I'm not going to call it either horrific or what I'm not going to give it a name of what it is because I don't want to be hurtful to anybody who either A, voiced it or B, likes that style of person. But for me, just give me the option because I'm going to be in this game supposedly for a long time is a kind yeah. of an RPG. So give me the option of who I want my character to sound like. Yeah. The fact that there's just, no option oof. for the face or the head or anything besides bald. Um, and then this guy's voice is very like, it doesn't fit the way he looks, in my opinion. It doesn't even fit the world. Like, I mean, and maybe mm. that's part of it. Maybe because you're become you're from some other culture, you're from some other species. He's I mean, an aristocrat I, or something. Yeah, it's just it's like oh, fancy. Man. That voice is just really off-putting to me. I really didn't. And in yeah. fact, most of the voices I didn't care for. So. Yeah, I don't like, yeah, I didn't like a ton of them. I like the rat voices a lot. They're okay. Yeah. yeah right. But yeah, the main character who you're going to be with for a long time and you're portraying, you know, you have an agency over. Um, he just seems like he does. He couldn't be bothered by the story. He's like, <laughs> well, anyways, I think it's pretty much like this. He's like, so I guess I'll do this if I have to. Anyways, I'll He's side kind with of, these rats. Yes, it's really flippant and sassy flippant. for a guy who just got murdered, yes. wakes up, finds out he's immortal, and he's in a land of aliens that he doesn't know. Yeah. I would expect a little bit more of like, what the fuck's going on? Mm -hmm. And not just like, oh, I guess. Where's the cafeteria, you guys? Yeah. Like, what do you guys have just, to eat around here? Guacamole yeah, just, and brown sugar? I don't want any. <laughs> or it's delicious. It's Let's delicious, do more. actually, from where I come from, which isn't yes. Earth or is. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So uh, I'll be here all week. Yeah, he's such <laughs> a weird character it's, voice. Yeah, it's just I. It's it's a shame because I think they had the core of something cool, but they they went really wrong in the planning, and uh, it's just I I don't think I'm gonna sit through it. I would literally just say they if they're listening, I would literally finish this game eighty hours or whatever, fifty hours, it, even with the character's voice, and I would just kind of like get into it and be like, I'm the guy who doesn't care what's going on, rat people. But yeah. I just can't have the souls like stuff because that's just making me mind numbing, um, yeah. and I I know what I am, and I don't want to have to like level up to like crazy levels just to get through one area again. So <clears throat> frustrated. Well, I'll even do you one better. Like I I as as a token of goodwill to the developers, if they hear this, I'm sure they're very mad at us right now, and I don't mean to offend anybody. Uh, but if they went back to this game, if they patched, if if all they changed was enemies keep their damage and don't respond. Yep. Just that one yep. change. That's it. That's it. I, that would be enough <clears throat> for me to go back and play this game from start to finish. That, that is my guarantee. That is my promise to these developers. Me too. I'm making yes. that promise too. We're both I will make that it. promise. If you, if you fix that, yeah, I will come back and I bet you, I will really have a great time with you. And all you do watch and developers listening. Here's the thing. 
you, you can make it called the easy mode, right? You just change it to easy mode. Yeah, I don't then care your patch, it your patch, which again, we're you, Brandon and I are going to start over. Totally, no problem. The patch just is that uh, damage thing, right? Which I know yes. I do a little bit of coding. It's not the craziest thing to do. So it's they they stay dead, permadeath for the enemies, and they take they keep the damage and their damage stays. Yeah, yes. and that's on easy mode from the beginning. And we'll both restart the game. 100%. That is, yes, that is our Soviet Games promise to you. 100%. Fix that fix, and we will come back. We'll play the entire game from start to finish. And I am 99% sure we will both have a great time with it. But the main character might not care. <laughs> At the he end will of not the, care either way. He'll be like, yes. guys, I guess this game's over. That's the ending of the game, by the way. He's like, guys, it's over, I guess. I mean, you can leave. I'm going to stay for the credits. <laughs> but um, what do you got to eat around here? Guacamole. A lot and of guacamole brown and brown sugar. Yeah, that's that's a good name for the podcast, too. It is, but I think I think Halloween is your heart is a is pretty good. One. Okay, it's a good one. All right, uh, okay. So that is it. One la- one last game. One last game. And I said at the beginning of the podcast we're going to start strong and by or we're going to we're going to start strong. No, we never start strong. We never start strong. We're going to end strong um, by by bringing a game which, full disclosure, I'm having a wonderful time with, and it is the sequel to a game which I already thought was wonderful, and it is even more wonderful for the sequel which is really strange because i never thought i was even gonna like this game and in fact i love it what mario plus rabbits sparks of hope boy this is a great game uh no reservations no caveats um this game is just great from a to z from the small details to the large details to the gameplay to the design the graphics this is pretty stellar stuff i mean um, so, i hear everybody singing his praises so oh my god okay so let's back it up a little bit um mario plus rabbits to begin with was kind of the love child of one of the ubisoft developers i forget the guy's name but he gave a really impassioned speech at one point and i think he was even crying that he was so happy he had the chance to make this game originally um and i'm glad that he did i'm glad he fought for it because this dude he had it dialed in. He knew what the fuck he was talking about. That guy knows how to make games. Um, so they take the the Mario franchise. We've got Mario characters. Mario, Peach, Luigi, uh, maybe Toad's in there. I forget. I'm not, I'm not all the way through the game, so there may be more characters later. And then they take some Rabbids, uh, if people don't remember. These are the, I don't know, the minion-like mascots that are in some of the uh, Ubisoft games. And full disclosure, I fucking hate the Rabbids. I think they're garbage. I do not like them at all. They look like like bunny rabbits, but they're deranged and they... Monster rabbits. Yeah, they're kind of monster rabbits with weird buck teeth. And they just, like, they're supposed to be funny. And they've got this weird kind of, like, French humor vibe about them, which does not work for me at all. And I just, I despise the Rabbids. But this game is so good, it makes me look past my disgust of the Rabbids, and I love this game, even with Rabbids in it. Um, so the original game was a turn-based strategy a la XCOM, where you have Mario and Rabbid characters, you're going up against the big bad of that story, and each each person has their own abilities. Like Everybody's got a gun, which is a little bit of a strange thing, because Mario traditionally doesn't have guns, but they all have uh, different like blasters or guns or bows or whatever. The rabbits have their own weapons and you go into a match with usually like two people like Mario and somebody else. Or you can change whoever Luigi and Princess Peach or whatever, whatever. And you take your turns. Enemies take their turns. Cover based. It's all very XCOM like. But the thing that made the first game great was that they really looked at the Mario franchise and used a lot of the Mario stuff to elevate that gameplay. So rather than simply going from square to square and taking cover like you would in an XCOM game. And I love XCOM. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shit talking XCOM here. But. 
they they added some verticality to it. So, for example, if Mario and uh, Rabbit Peach, she looks like Princess Peach, but she's a rabbit. If Mario and Rabbit Peach are in a level, and there's some enemies who are behind some cover far away, Mario can run up to Rabbit Peach. She'll give him like a little like a two-handed boost, and he jumps like way up high in the air, and he can like use that verticality to like get over obstacles and get behind them. Uh, huge tactical advantage. He can also run around in the space of his movement, so he's not tied to squares. You get like a basic like a movement circle, and you can go as much as you want uh, for as long as you want within that circle until you get to a place where you're comfortable. You can run around. You can do like Mario's like slide move, where he'll like hit enemies and do damage on them if he can do like a slide, and then he can like shoot them afterwards. There's all sorts of like little combinations you can do that 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 break out of the XCOM mold, and that's really what I think elevates this game is. You play it and you initially know what you're doing, but then once you take into account all of the abilities that the Mario characters bring from their own franchise, it really gives this game its own spin. Like, it feels unlike anything else. It's very active, very vertical, a lot of jumping, a lot of sliding, a lot of moving around. So it it doesn't feel like XCOM, even though on paper it is very similar to XCOM. Hmm. So I love the way that you can play off of teams. You can get some good... um, some good synergy going and just like the being able to move around is very kinetic. So I think that's great. Um, so the first game worked well. It was really wonderful. There was a, an overworld to go around in. That was okay. I could have done without the overworld, a little searching for items here and there and stuff. And that was fine. But the gameplay is really what killed it. Um, just, just really killed. It, it was so perfect and on point. Uh, so fast forward to now, everything that worked about the first Mario rabbits game is still here, but it's better and everything that even was like kind of maybe okay working, like for example, the overworld is now fixed. So like literally there's nothing wrong with this game whatsoever. Um, the overworlds are much, much better in this game. They're very uh, more straightforward, which I thought was kind of a problem with the other one. Um, a little bit confusing to look at. Now they're very easy to see. The graphics on this game, totally on point, super sharp, like the best graphics you can see on the Switch. Um, everything's bright and colorful, super dialed in. Everything looks perfect. The animation's perfect. And there's a map, so you can see everywhere you need to go. It clearly lays out where your quests are. You go to these quests, and they're all bite-sized little encounters. So you're not doing, like, 90-minute, like, these really long, like, battles of attrition like you would sometimes get into an XCOM, which is fine. Again, not shit-talking XCOM. But for this game, you do a level, like, let's say, for example, you find uh, a Goomba, the little mushroom guy. You fight that guy, and instead of just jumping on his head, it's like a little turn-based battle. Like, it goes into a map, and then there's, like, five or six Goombas on a map. And then you do the map and the battle takes like you three minutes, four minutes. Boom, you're done. You just did a whole level and it feels good. You got something to accomplish. You get some um, experience points. You move on. You go to like the next guy. Like you do like these little battles here and there. There's some story battles. There's some extra battles. There's side quests. And those are like little tactic battles. And it's a good balance between doing actual tactics on the on the battlefield, which already feel very different from XCOM. And then going into the overworld where you're like exploring a little bit. You're finding like little hidden pathways. You're finding little puzzles to move forward. And then every time you get into battle, you go back to the tactics and then like you do that little battle quick, bite size, real punchy. And then you get out of that. You go back to the world and you like do some more exploring. It's a great balance. It feels so good because just as the time you're feeling like, okay, I've done enough battling, you're back in the world. And when you're tired of exploring, you're like, I could do a battle. Boom, there's a battle. It's perfectly paced. And you can even pace it yourself because they tell you where all the quests are. You can just go find them. Just go do them. They're right on the map. It's very easy to navigate. Very straightforward. UI, super clean. Super easy to understand. It is not confusing at all, like Curious Expedition 2. Like, I know exactly where things are. I know how much everything costs. It's all very laid out, very straightforward. Um, But that's not to say that it's too simple. Uh, It is very tactical, very interesting. Three levels of difficulty. Easy level, super easy. So if you want to just breeze through it and have fun, you can totally do that. 
and just enjoy the Mario plus rabidness of the whole thing. If you really want to like use your tactics brain, you can put it up to like the whatever the the highest level is and you'll get your ass handed to you like the game will not pull punches so you can self-regulate that. Um, I mean, everything about this game is just fucking on point, dude. I have not been able to put this game down and I hate rabbits and it says a lot that I can't stop playing this game even though I hate rabbits because the tactics and the feel and the gameplay of this is just so good. So that all sounds great. I'm not going to play it. Uh, <laughs> as a nice ending, a little tag. Carlos is noping out. Um, yeah, strategy is, is a hard one for me. So that's just my caveat, right? Like, I'm not an XCOM person. Back in the PC days, and, you know, I we both have been playing games since they came out. I did play a little more of turn-based stuff. It takes a special thing for me to get into it now. Uh, and also, I was going to ask that question is, like, it doesn't seem like the story is much of an issue here, right? Or, like, it's not a thing that you really are caring about. I mean, there is a story. It's like uh, cutscenes too, a little bit. Yeah, there. There's actually some really beautiful cutscenes. Uh, the, the, I mean, the graphics. Again, not that I'm a graphics whore, and, and and graphics are not really the reason to play this game. But goddamn, the graphics are fucking amazing on this for the Switch. I mean, it looks. Cutscenes are super smooth, really beautiful. There's a big bad who's really cool looking. Uh, but yeah, I'm not playing it for the story. I mean, I'm playing for the tactics, the moment to moment gameplay. But there is, yeah, uh, you know, a reason to do these things for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think again, it's they say everybody says it's first in class uh, for this type of game, and you just echoed those words. So uh, people who like that are probably gonna love it. Also, I'll ask you this instead of like lambasting it or something, just because I'm not into that style. Um, I think you could give it a score then, probably right. You know, I do. I do want to give it a score. I'm not going to do it now because All I haven't right. played enough. You, but you I... did like tell me one time on the spot to give a score, and I did. I'm you just know, saying. I, I mean, I feel like I should play it a little bit more. Right? Okay. Um, I, I will. I will say this: if I was to, if I was to score this game now, and I'm not going. If to, you were if to, would, in a hypothetical world, I mean, if I would at this particular point, I mean, we're talking like like a nine easily. Like it's, there you it's go. Already, That's all I thought. That's what I thought. It's already yeah. better than it was, and it was already great. Like it was not bad to begin with. It was excellent, and it is like excellent plus two because it is just everything's better. Yep. And it was already good, so it's like taking. The most delicious steak, and I don't know what you put like extra steak seasoning put or something. Put some brown on it, and sugar it's just right like on top of it. Brown sugar right on top of it, and actually brown sugar on steak is pretty good. Is it? Um, it is really good actually. Vanilla too. Vanilla on steak, you wouldn't think so, but brown sugar and vanilla on a steak is fucking. You know what you sugar. also wouldn't think, and this is a quick food yeah. tangent. Uh, and one of my specialties is I make these ground beef tacos, but you can also make it with Impossible Meat. So either way. Oh yeah, I've had those. Um, have you? You haven't had mine. No, no, but okay. Impossible Tacos. Yeah. Okay, so Impossible. Next time you do it, here's what you do. Um, you can do the any kind of seasons you want. You sh- I usually do a little chili powder, a little uh, cayenne, depending on how spicy you want. Oh, it. yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then next time you do it, but don't go crazy, add cinnamon. Oh, dude, I believe it. Yeah, I believe so it. the cinnamon yep. and the cayenne will balance each other out, but also the cinnamon adds this kind of really special element to it. Um, I learned that from a family recipe that I kind of worked on. And then you take those tacos and the specialness of – and I should do this for you when if I, if I ever see you again in person, is um, you take corn tortillas <laughs> and you flash fry them. Oh, yeah. So have you done flash frying before? Oh, yeah. We do that all the time, man. Delicious. So Delicious. if you do it the right way, though, which I'm sure you do, um, you get it like it's a soft and crunchy. You yep. know, so it's just kind of like fun juxtaposition. That with that ground beef with a little bit of cinnamon is like God meal. It's really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't talk about this on the podcast a lot, but my uh, I am very Hispanic. I don't. Uh, I present as a white guy, <laughs> uh, but my grandpa he's from Mexico, and uh, my mom, you know, she's half Mexican. So my the like half of my entire family full on Mexican in California. So 
I definitely love the tacos. I definitely love the food and the, the culture and stuff. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. That cinnamon and tacos is oh, definitely win. Now I'm going to make I, them tonight, I think. Fuck. I am, I am signing off on that for sure. Okay. But um, bringing it back to Mario plus Rabbids. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to play a little bit more before I give, like, my official score. But, like, right now, this, this shit is, like airtight nailed in totally spotless every single thing is polished i can't find a single thing wrong with it yeah uh other than the the taste factor of rabbits but even that's not deterring me this game is pretty incredible if you've got a switch or if you like tactics or if you like the first one i mean this is just i mean hats off dude like yeah it sounds like when i was talking about stray you know because i think for me my personal opinion they nailed everything, including the environment, yeah. the UI. Yeah, yeah. And so when a game does that for you, yeah, it becomes like a perfect game almost. Yeah, it's it's basically a perfect game. So I'll play longer just in case anything <clears> pops <throat> up. But man, it's all lights are green so far, by the way. And also a small tangent. Uh, this Speaking of Stray, we had a new writer who wanted to join Game Critics. Uh, and he did a tryout review for me to see, you know, do you have any writing skill? Do you know what our style is all about? Is this going to be a good fit? And he picked Stray as his oh. uh, tryout review. And he brought the hammer down on that game so hard i was it was bringing me life dude it was bringing me what? life because he did not like it at all but he did such a great job of justifying his dislikes i mean it was like it was an excellent review so i brought him aboard we're going to be seeing his work very soon and i actually think i may publish that review because i think it's a good one whoa but, uh, i might have a nemesis you maybe have a nemesis out there that dude did not like stray at all it's impossible so it's it's you know it's, it's sometimes in the gaming world there's um you know objectively incorrect answers <laughs> so uh I, it's, unfortunately that's the one but all right well check all it right. out check it out all right Ra- mario plus rabbits sparks of hope pretty fucking amazing game i am i'm all in so that is it for the show uh, a couple of shout outs really quickly want to give a big thanks to people who have retweeted the show Really appreciate uh, helping us extend our reach and getting the word of the show out there. Jeremy Powers from the Four Button Podcast. Thank you very much. Sentient Up Plus from the Monster Deer Monster Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Funfrock, who is the creator of Dungeons of Dreadrock, which is an amazing fucking game. Everybody should play that. Uh, good friend of the show, Night Dreamer, longtime Game Critics reader. And also Mike Burnett, who made Nadir, which we talked about, uh, I think it was last episode or the episode before. Yep. Oh, thank you all. Thank you all very much for the retweets. Really, really, really appreciate it. Um, and let's see. Anything before we go here, Carlos? You can any, any one last thing before we go? I got two last things before we go. And it's what do you got? tied to our the name of our podcast because we didn't do a lot of Halloween uh, type stuff. But here's a couple of Halloween things at the end. Okay. Um, so you and I both are watching a really great series that we might have already mentioned uh, on Shudder called 101 yes. Scariest Mo- Moments in Movies. Or great series, movies. yes. Yeah. Great series. Super awesome. I'm in episode six right now. Um, but that got me thinking uh, about Halloween specials and things to watch. Uh, a one that's coming out tomorrow at the time of this recording is called The Poloni Show. And it's well, how do you spell that? I think P A L O N I. Okay. But it's Justin Roiland. Do you like him or not? I feel like you don't. I don't like him. Yeah. Though. I don't. So it's not for you. But at the same time, he's just like featuring it. So basically, it's got his weird characters and voice and art style and stuff. And then it has the the special, which is, you know, based on Halloween stories. They're all shorts from different creators. Oh, interesting. So I think even if you don't like him, he's kind of like the, the overarching, like, you know, thing that brings it all together. Sure, sure. And it looks a little gross and stuff. But at the same time, those those I know some of the people who created some of that stuff. Uh, not like personally, but, you know, I've watched them um, on YouTube and stuff. 
and other just creators you might not know of. So I think that's a really cool idea to make a Halloween special, but it's actually also featuring a bunch of new, you know, creators. I'm always up for a good anthology. I really do enjoy anthology series, especially when they've got like multiple different people chipping in. So I'm always up for that. Yeah, Halloween anthology. Come on. Uh, and the other one is uh, I know you've seen the movie and I haven't. So I'm going to um, watch it, I think, tonight, actually. But John dies at the end. Oh, fuck, dude. I love that movie. So I had forgotten about it and I don't know why I never finished it. Or I think I started it once and I, I know I wanted to watch it. Um, so I'm going to watch it fully tonight. But I learned about it because I was on TikTok, and the author, because it's a series of books. It is, yeah, it is. Um, they have a new book out. Oh, uh, I had no idea. I didn't do my homework, so I'm looking it up real quickly. Um, and it looked just like really interesting, the title. And then also, uh, I just love sci-fi and weird horror type you know, books and stuff like that. So anyways, the thing I saw on TikTok got me into wanting to uh, see the movie. So I'm that movie go is it. a great movie. Yes, I love that movie. I have not read the books. I've heard a lot about the books, um, but I just don't read anymore because who has time for that? But um, the movie I thought was really, really cool. Liked it a lot. So I had a great time with it. Definitely check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Oh, I think it's called If You're Reading This Book, You're in the Wrong Universe, which is like <laughs> such a fucking cool name. Yeah, if this book exists, you're in the wrong universe. That's fucking awesome of a title. Like that'll make me buy your book. Um, uh, yeah, and exactly. it's it's David. Wait, Jason Pargan writing as David Wong. What does that mean? It's his pen name, isn't it? David Wong was his pen name. Oh, OK. But anyways, it's like I can't read that book, though, which I really want to because it's in the series. Right. Yeah, You're going to have to start at the beginning. And I, yeah. I think John dies at the end. I mean, that in itself is a book title to get me to buy that book because he tells you up front, John dies at the end. And then you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's that is a very strange proposition for a book. I think I must read the rest of it. So I'm wondering now what the movie's based on, if it's just based on the first book. I have no idea. But but check it out. Check out the movie. And if you like anything that's in the movie, which I'm sure you will, maybe check out the book series and see, you know, see what that's all. about. I think I'm going in the, down the rabbit hole because that title alone is amazing. And so, yeah, so that's how I just thought I'd tell people because. I'm about to go down that rabbit hole, so maybe go down it with me. You're going to dig it, dude. You're going to dig it. All right, cool. Um, one last thing before we mm -hmm. go here. I just started watching Abbott Elementary with my family. Uh, have you heard about this show? I probably have. Let me look it up. Uh, it's created by Quinta Brunson, who is a uh, black actress. So I've seen her in a couple of other things. Uh, but this is her baby, and I believe she just won a whole bunch of Emmys for it. Uh, I, think, uh, I, don't, I forget who exactly, but I believe it is a multiple Emmy-winning show. It's kind of like The Office, basically, where they, there's like the premise of like a camera person following people around in an elementary school. Um, so it's it's immediately familiar in terms of structure. But, um, you know, they're in this elementary in this like inner city place and they have like, you know, budgetary struggles and they have cultural issues that come up with all the black students. And um, it's just it's really funny and heartfelt. And I think it's really good. I mean, it is office like, but it has its own flavor. The first couple episodes were kind of rough. They were kind of like, I think, finding their feet. But now we're like maybe six or eight episodes in. I feel like they're really dialing in the characters and things are really like feeling good. Like they're getting a good synergy going. So definitely like Abbott elementary. We're definitely enjoying that quite a bit. And I will say also, uh, I just watched yesterday a movie called dude. Where's my car. Have you ever seen that movie? Of course. Like in course the two thousands right? or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I saw it way a long time ago. Me and the wife watched it a million years ago and, uh, we needed to watch a movie and I figured my kid is just now 13 so they're getting to the place where they can maybe enjoy um, some, you know, teen exploitation or like weird, you know, teen romp movies. And uh, we watched this and I was 
a little bit worried because I wasn't sure if there was going to be any like stuff that is not cool anymore. Um, I will say that there was one instance of the word fag, which we were not thrilled about. And it was really kind of like thrown in. They could have easily cut it out and it wouldn't have wouldn't have changed anything would make the movie a better thing. There's also a transgender. There's two transgender characters in the movie. And I don't know that they were. Oh, man, it's like. Uh, maybe I'm not the one to judge, right? I'm not the one to judge, but I felt like it was okay. Like I, I don't feel like it was as cringe as, as it could have been, as it has been in other movies. And in fact, by the end, I feel like it was okay. But if there's anybody out there who has an opinion on that, I would love to hear that opinion. But apart from those two things, I felt like the movie was pretty, pretty okay overall in terms of nothing crazy racist, nothing crazy sexist. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> outside of jokes or whatever. Um, I mean. It was okay. We had a good time. And it's such an absurd, weird, like, stay out all night kind of crazy adventure. Um, we had a lot of laughs. The, mar- the marijuana smoking dog, I think, is probably the funniest thing in that movie. But there's a lot of stuff that's pretty quotable and it's a pretty good time. So if you're in the mood for a, like, uh, early 2000s kind of dumb comedy, it's got Ashton Kutcher and uh, Sean William Scott, I believe his name is. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty fun. So just strap in and... and it goes places that you wouldn't expect, and it's kind of a fun time. And, and it's definitely not as offensive as it could have been, which I guess is backhanded praise. So, Dude, anyway. if, if you gave me the Brad Galloway bingo card for what <laughs> what you're going to bring be, at the Before You Go segment, Dude Where's My Car was not on that list. Not on that list at not all. Not even yes. close. It was like in a book <laughs> far away. Uh, so crazy. Also, a couple of other real quick things in Netflix. Uh, if you're a family, which you are. We are. Uh, you might want to check out The Curse of Bridge Hollow. Ooh, what's for that about? Halloween times, because it's a brand new Halloween movie Ooh, okay. uh, with a little bit of um, humor and weirdness. It reminds me of that Adam Sandler one, kind of. I didn't finish it, by the way. I, I am watching it, but um, like I do nowadays, I watch movies in segments sometimes. But it just seems like you know, family friendly, weird um, uh, town that people move to. This family moves to. Okay. And they're like really obsessed with Halloween in this town and it's um, got some humor and stuff. So check it out. It seems to, if you're like a family, I think it's good for that. Is it Curse of Ridge Hollow? Bridge Hollow. Bridge yeah. Hollow. Okay, gotcha. It's okay. on Netflix. Also, the other thing I'm, I just, I'm very interested in, but I don't know if I'm going to watch. It's called Exception. <clears throat> it's kind of like an anime in a way, but it says it's in the distant future where humans are forced to leave Earth, uh, you know, tomorrow. Uh, next week, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And a spacecraft is carrying a 3D printed crew of a specialist Weird. sent to okay. terraform a new planet. And then the hmm. graphics look like kind of CG. So it, very perplexing to me. But I'm, Is this on I'm, Netflix or where is it? It's this also on? on Netflix, yeah. Okay, okay. So both those I'm going to check out, but um, there you go. All right, right on. All right, folks, that is it. That is the absolute end of the show. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, as always, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up at SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as a show, at SoVideoGames. You can also hit us up individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? If you happen to be scrolling TikTok, uh, Carlos Rodell is my name, R-O-D-E-L-A. Check it out there. And also, if you are an indie game, and this will be the end of every episode now, Maybe not. But uh, if you're an indie game and you want to get your word out there with such weird sketches as the ones you find on my TikTok, uh, which you can also see on my website, go to dodgerollmarketing.com and I will try to help you out, make some weird videos for your game. There you go. Weird videos, social engagement, lots of jokes, high personality. I think 
it would be a very smart move for any indie out there looking for some social engagement to check it out. Check it All right. As for me, same as always, Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 306. Thank you again for joining us here on the So Many Games podcast. And we will see you again next week. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And boo from Carlos. Because it's the <laughs> Halloween episode that we only see. Oh, yeah. To Halloween. Wait, this is not our Halloween episode. No, no, it's not our Halloween. Next week but is it's our Halloween called, episode. The title's Halloween, so I did the boo because of that. You did the boo. That makes sense. But uh, for anybody who's listening. Yeah, by the way, you are the true fans. You are the true fans. You are the winner for sure. We love you very much. You are our best fans. And you'll know. Next week is the Halloween episode. Yeah, so boo, because I, what I meant to say is the next episode's Halloween.